Thank you for listening to Cinephile's Digest. This is episode 27. My name is Matt, and I'm joined today, as always, by my co-host, Tom. Excited to be here. Good to have you. Travis? The time is here. We have arrived. This is the 27th episode we've done, and this is our 2017 blowout episode. Second annual. Second annual 2017 blowout episode. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, we're going to be going through our personal top 10 lists. We're going to be talking about the year as a whole. We'll get into some more discussion type stuff like uh, performances, disappointments, all that kind of stuff. Blowout episode. It's going to be huge. Uh, I was telling these guys earlier that I've been more excited to record this episode of the podcast than I was for Christmas this year, which is not at all a lie. I have been very excited for this episode mostly just because i'm a list nerd i'm a movie nerd and a list nerd so the idea of like all this anticipation like what's tom's list gonna look like oh man and we live in the age of lists oh yeah i can't say i don't love a list everything is a top five top ten everyone loves a good (laughs) list (laughs) even going out to eat what are the best restaurants in this area i mean people are obsessed (laughs) a list is like the the second evolution of a star rating So we'll be getting into that in a little bit, but uh, what's uh, what's going on? How's it going, guys? We had uh, last time we recorded was New Year's Eve. So uh, how was your guys' New Year's? Mine was champagne soaked. Yeah, did you barf? No, <laughs> no, I was actually in pretty good shape at the end of the night, considering. But it was a good time. How was yours, Travis? It was good. Uh, I won. We stayed at home and just hung out. You won and- New Year's. Yeah, I won. Why? Well, I, I won as far as <laughs> deciding what we were going to do as a group. Which was nothing. <laughs> yes. But we just hung out here. Uh, the girls made dinner. Uh, Corbin and I played some Rocket League. We played some board games, drank some booze. Uh, did we watch a movie? Oh, yeah. We put on Dude, Where's My Car? And then oh, God. during the opening credits, Corbin fell asleep. And I was just like, it's probably time to go to bed. <laughs> <laughs> and that was at 1030. No, we made it past midnight. Actually, we for midnight we walked outside and walked around the corner to see if there was any fireworks, and we saw like maybe three fireworks from miles away. It was very climactic. <laughs> Sounds pretty dope. What about you, Matt? Uh, I think I got drunk and stones <laughs> and played video games and watched movies and did some crying. It was good. Sounds good. Man, just get it all out at the end of 2017, you know? Yeah, man. 2019 is a new new journey. Starting things off the right way. Got that out of my system. Uh, I won't go into details, but past couple weeks have been a little rough for me. But now I'm back back on top. Fucking here. You had this recording to look forward to. It's the only thing that kept me alive. (laughs) 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 Thought about ending it at the stroke of midnight, but I was like, you know what? We're going to be recording in 10 days. I don't know. Can't let I'll hold down. No promises what's going to happen after we record, but. All right. I might have to edit this show. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's probably enough suicide jokes for one, uh, for one episode. Uh, this is supposed to be fun, you guys. Right. Don't ask me about killing myself. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Uh, yeah. So New Year's, you know, it was fine. I think I watched uh her probably i don't know i don't remember what i watched <laughs> classic man oh man second best sci-fi movie of uh 
since 2000? I believe so. It said here. No, I don't think it made podcast. it to the top two, did it? Was it Wait, X Machina? No, I think it was Her? District 9. No, you, District 9 didn't get that. You and Jay far. probably sank it way too early, way before its time. Yeah, I think, so, I think you're yeah. right. Well, anyway, right here we are on a so. Thursday. That's new. Yeah, yeah. Tom, you're going to be out of town on a work trip. So, um, no work. No, this is pure oh, fun. Oh. oh. Yeah. Who goes to Minneapolis for fun? Yeah, we got friends out there. <laughs> they just moved. It's going to be a good time. Going to the Vikings game? No. I'm Bummer. going to the Blazers game. I'm sure that's sold out. Yeah, I was <laughs> kind of making a joke. but <laughs> I don't care about the Vikings. Oh, you are going to what, Timberwolves and Blazers, I'm assuming? Yeah, on Sunday. That's going to be sweet. Stoked. I so bet. stoked. And ice fishing. So hopefully I catch something prehistoric. <laughs> cool all right well enough uh dilly dallying you guys ready to get, get into get the meat of this it. thing all right so 2017 pretty fucked up year but uh movie speaking was pretty good i would say uh so let's 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 first just talk about the year as a whole this is now our second year-end episode so i guess my first question to you guys would be was 2017 a better year than 2016 for movies i think so it was really hard for me to dwindle down to a top 10 this year and i feel like last year i kind of just threw on a number 10 Mm. as my 10th spot so like i could easily put any of my 11 through 20 in my top 10 and be satisfied i also saw a lot more movies this year Saw 109 in total. I think I only God. saw like 70 something last year. Thank you, Movie Pass. Shout out. <laughs> <laughs> Save me a ton of money. <laughs> yeah, I uh, I think this was definitely a better year than 2016. I like La La Land was my number one film last year. If La La Land came out this year, it would probably be like number four or five on my list. Um, yeah, probably same with me. I would say. The top five of my list, like, these are all movies that are going to be, like, all-time favorites for me. Like, these are the ones that I'm going to come back to over and over again. Like, these are huge. Travis is not in his head. Well, we'll get into that in a second. But <laughs> And then beyond that, there's were a ton of incredible movies. Like, I had five or six movies vying for that number 10 spot. And I swapped a bunch of different movies out until I finally settled on something. I finally settled on my list. About an hour and a half ago. <laughs> so I would say this was a fantastic year for movies. Um, well, I hope you didn't throw too many wild cards because I was planning on guessing your entire list. <laughs> Travis uh, wrote down 10 movies that he thinks, not in the order, but you think <clears throat> oh, those. No, he's got them in order. <clears throat> oh, yeah, I got them in order. I don't know if I'll nail the order, but I think I got the 10 that you put in your top 10. So you list. feel confident that. Those are the 10 movies that I picked. Well, now that you're in order, I feel like you're you threw some wild cards in there maybe the last hour and a half or so, and just (laughs) you did that on purpose just to, (laughs) you know, fuck me over. But these are your 10 favorite movies, Matt, on my (laughs) list. (laughs) You're here. Uh, So, what's your plan here as we go? Are you going to be like, oh, yeah, fuck yeah, I I don't want to do that. Yeah, no, yeah, no. (laughs) I think you should. No, I'll wait till the end. I don't want to like, I feel like I'll kind of like, Steal Matt's thunder if I'm like guessing his list as he goes. Mm. We'll wait till the end. I'll we'll just report react. back at the end. Okay. React uh, loudly. I'll give you guys a thumbs up. Thumbs <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what about you, Tom? How'd you feel about the movies this year? Well, um, I think it is better than last year. 
But I'm surprised to hear myself say that because last year I had a ton of movies that I wanted to get into the top 10. And this year, kind of like you were saying for last year, Travis, I felt like the last three of my top 10 could be switched or moved out with others that didn't make the list. But all of those would have been on this list from 2016. So yeah, I I definitely watched way more movies this year. Right. Um, You kind of had to. I kind of had to. In a movie podcast. (laughs) Yeah. I started doing... um, started doing this in like april and oh, i'm trying to figure out what i watched stupid letterboxd i don't know i watched way more movies than normal <clears throat> so um yeah it was a good year i'm proud of you you should be put a lot of work into this <laughs> <clears throat> all right well 95 uh, films oh I feel like this was also uh, the year of outrage, just generally speaking. Just but a it little definitely bit. permeated into the film like community. You know, every that people were in an uproar over everything this year. Wonder Woman, all like all the superhero movies, Get Out, Lady Bird. Like, you mean a positive uproar? No, like negative outrage. Right. Like against Ladybird? Well, for like her getting like <clears throat> I don't know if it was the Golden Globes or what, but like some critics association, they nominated five white male directors for best director. You oh, know, talking not... about like represent. Yeah, no, I just mean like you know, yeah. people being much more vocal about what mm. they feel are uh, uh, not not crimes against humanity, but you know what I'm trying. Well, to say. Well, I mean, like, Greta Gerwig should have been nominated. But... <laughs> But people have been very vocal as far as making sure that their voices are heard and that they want more diversity in the film industry. And, you know, the the Me Too thing, that was one of the, like, biggest things, generally speaking, of the entire year. And that was all started with the Harvey Weinstein scandal, you know, so. Time's up. Was in, yeah. <laughs> all, uh, all those uh, sexual uh, perpetrators of sexual violence can all get fucked. Their time has come. Hmm. Yeah, I'm curious to see what 2017 ha- or 2018 has in store for us for sure. Probably nuclear annihilation. Yeah, <laughs> just more of this. <laughs> uh, okay, well, anything else you guys want to get into before we uh, dive into our top ten list? No, let's do it. So, dive in. real quick, let's talk about the format. So we're gonna go in a circle. We're gonna go me, Tom, Travis. We're gonna do our ten picks, our nine picks, and obviously, there's gonna I'm sure going to be some overlap. So my number 10 might be Travis's number four or whatever. So, you know, we'll, we'll try and have a conversation around everything, but there will be some saving for later in the show. <laughs> so movies will come back up again and we'll reinvigorate conversations. But, uh, a lot of other movie podcasts that I've listened to, they've tried like shaking up that format Gross. and I don't like it Gross. every time. So we're keeping it old school. <laughs> We're going 10, 10, 10, 9, 9, 9, That's so on and so The only way forth. to do it, in my opinion. It's the only way. We're nothing if not traditional. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, with that, let's get this started. Uh, I'm going to go first. My number 10 film of the year, Travis. Oh, I had my list at number 50. In case you guys were wondering, Keddy was the fifth, 50th best film of the year. Let me scroll back up here. Number 10, Wonderstruck, Todd Haynes. Oh, I forgot about that one. Ha, get fucked! Because it was so far down on my list. No, <laughs> didn't even see it. 
Uh, I absolutely love this movie. Uh, this film is about uh, this deaf boy, boy who becomes deaf. It's a period piece. Half the movie takes place in the 70s, and there's also like a, uh, a parallel story that takes place in the 20s. And it's one of those movies where the story threads, uh, it's not clear how they're going to intertwine for most of the movie. Uh, but each separate story thread is uh, it, like it's emotional. It's it's I guess you could call it a kid's movie. The protagonists are children and it's about a kid's journey. But like it just resonated with me. Julianne Moore. It's, it's a kid's movie, not for kids. It's yeah, it, that's <laughs> totally what it is. Like Todd Haynes just has such a delicate touch when it comes to directing films. And he just is so in tune with just humanity and just like the the things we feel and getting day to day and just all these things that people experience. And this, this movie is about like a kid's journey to find like his father, which sounds like a pretty cliche premise for a film, but it's based on a, a graphic novel by Brian Selznick who did a, uh, uh, the Hugo Cabaret, the movie that Hugo was based on. I can't remember the name of the book, but uh, I love this thing. Uh, it, this, I had mentioned earlier that there were like five or six movies vying for that 10 spot. So this is the one I settled on. It, it bounced around, but I, I really felt like I had to include it because it just made me cry. It made me laugh. It's gorgeous. Uh, underappreciated. No one's no one's talking about yeah. Wonderstruck, which I think is is a huge bummer. And when I, I said I didn't see it, I, mean, I didn't see it when I was like picking Matt's top 10, but I did actually see it with Matt. And I, I liked it, but I didn't love it like Matt did. Um Matt, you didn't say that Todd Haynes can direct the shit out of a period piece. Yes, that is that's his <laughs> mo. <laughs> when that's, did all, that that's all I got. Out? That was probably like October, maybe September. Mm. Yeah, probably a couple months ago. Yeah, it was relatively recently. I think I've seen it streaming. It kind of came and went. Um, it's probably streaming soon. It's Amazon Studios. So yeah, I don't know if it's up yet, but. Anyway, whenever that does go up, I encourage everyone to check it out because I think Wonderstruck is a fantastic film. It's mm. definitely worth a watch. For sure. Tom. All right. It. My number 10. One of the biggest surprises of the year for me, personally. Jumanji. Thor Ragnarok. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> I'm going to just walk out. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know. It's not your favorite choice. I mean, I think there are other movies this year that had... Maybe stronger individual performances for sure, uh, but or, or a more original uh, shtick than the whole Marvel thing. But this movie was just a blast from start to finish for me. The colors were incredible. I loved the way that the movie looked. Um, I liked that they got rid of the hammer for Thor and kind of put him in a slightly different uh scenario i don't i didn't want to watch another movie where he just beats people up with his hammer yeah it was almost like a like a fish out of water type of thing well, yeah maybe that's not the right expression but he was out of his element and was vulnerable like it's really the i mean he was a god it. off of his own planet that he needs to be on yes <laughs> so fish out of water pretty pretty apt <laughs> uh anything with Kate blanchett makes the list <laughs> Doesn't so. matter what it is. There's got to be a Blanchett <laughs> movie on top. Was she in anything else that. this year? <laughs> I don't know. Oh. Was she? I don't know. I don't know. Hmm. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, anyway, I don't have much else to say about it. I thought it was hilarious. I thought the cameos were were a ton of fun. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. But mainly it was the visuals that, that put it over the top for me. There were some other movies that had 
beautiful scenes like Guardians of the Galaxy, but I thought Thor did it better. Jeff Goldblum was the only shining moment. Jeff Goldblum <laughs> was incredible. <clears throat> what did you give this movie, Travis? One and a half? One and a half. It is ranked 107th out of 109 films oh, I saw this year. Fuck. It is... That, I can't even begin to describe how wrong that is. Yeah, I, it, that's insane <laughs> to me. Obviously, it's not the third worst movie I saw this year, but I was actively hating the movie the entire time I watched it. So I like... I had to make a statement mm. and say, fuck Thor Ragnarok. But is it because you were upset about how, how funny and fun you thought it was? No, I was just like <laughs> grumpy cat at the theater. <laughs> it's a but tragedy. I, I don't want to shit on your pick, Tom. I'm glad you enjoyed it. It's okay. I'm sure there will be opportunities to shit on your picks later. Oh, this list is pretty solid. <laughs> <laughs> I also really like Thor Ragnarok. It was my... Uh... My second favorite superhero movie of the year for me. Yeah. It was Spider-Man Homecoming for me. But, yeah, uh, they were great ones. Um, yeah, really good year for superhero movies. We didn't mention that at the top, but uh, Logan, Wonder Woman, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. That's what I would have called out as like my biggest surprise of the year was how good all of the superhero yeah, movies were. Yeah, I was were. not expecting. The only shitty one, and we didn't even see it, was, was Justice League. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Thor Ragnarok. <laughs> nah, get the fuck out of here uh okay yeah solid pick i do love that movie didn't quite make my my top 10 but i do enjoy that movie quite a bit my number 10 mm-hmm. the survivalist oh, oh i knew God. it i knew this would be on the- that was a joke just to <laughs> give oh. you guys, just to fuck with you guys <laughs> <laughs> my number 10 is war for the planet of the apes really yes oh, yeah, i thought that had potential to be on here i love this franchise trilogy whatever you want to call it um it's the end of caesar's story i thought it was a perfect ending um it wasn't the movie i was expecting but what i got i still loved uh the first 20 or 30 minutes is amazing it just throws you right into the war and it's a big battle between the humans and the apes um you always feel for the apes more in this franchise, but in this one, they actually made you empathize with the villain a little bit in Woody Harrelson's character. And the CGI and Andy Serkis' performance are both amazing. Um, I mean, they get a, a ton of credit, but um, th- these movies has, has basically created an argument to um, like champion this kind of CGI at like the end of the year, but we don't really have any awards for this kind of stuff for like motion capture performances yeah Yeah. and um yeah i mean all three of these movies in my opinion are five stars um it's one of my favorite trilogies trilogies of all time and it was great uh war for the planet of the apes came out at number 27 that's not bad no i did enjoy it quite a bit i think it gave like four and a half uh yeah i don't love the franchise as much as you but i thought it was really well done and I mean, we just talked about superhero movies, but I think blockbusters in general, we got quite a few good ones. And in previous years, there have been a lot of bad ones. Yeah. So. Cool. All right. My turn. Yeah. My number nine pick, and this may come as a surprise to the listeners because I don't think I talked about my second viewing of this film, but coming in at number nine, Star Wars Episode Eight, The Last Jedi. You're 0 for 2 already? I fucking knew it. Um, (laughs) Can you not do it while Matt's trying to talk about it? I know, even though I said I wasn't going to. (laughs) I just thought I had it. I thought I had it in the bag. Fucking give up. 
So yeah, let's let's talk about this, Matt. In our original review, I was very conflicted on this movie. I think I gave it what like a three and a half. Does that sound right to you guys? Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, so on a first viewing, I I don't consider myself like a big Star Wars nerd, but seeing this movie and looking back on it made me realize that I am. And this franchise has been like incredibly important to me growing up. I've played tons of Star Wars video games. I've seen all the movies a ton of times. So watching this movie, I was watching it on a very emotional level. You know, as a Star Wars fan, I wasn't watching it and thinking, oh, what is Ryan Johnson doing to do here? Trying to do here? I was just thinking like, this is a Star Wars movie and it is the most unique Star Wars movie. And it's it, it feels the least like a Star Wars movie. And I think I just... I didn't like what it did with the force. I didn't like the decisions they made with Luke's character because it didn't fit in what I thought the star Wars universe should be. So I was very conflicted on it. A second rewatch, uh, like seeing it a second time in the theater. Uh, I will say I was also very stoned. So that <laughs> may have been a factor, but this movie fucking blew my mind. On you were a able to see new plot lines. New it's threats. just everything. <laughs> like the things that bothered me so much the first time, barely bothered me on a second watch the only like minor criticism i have of the film is the humor i still yeah. don't think the humor is great some of the jokes just do not land for me uh but i oh i'm, I'm already about to start talking about star wars spoilers we probably should have said that there will be some spoilers while we're discussing these films i think we should try our best to be generally spoiler free but yeah. listen with caution because there could be some stuff that comes up so I feel like everyone has seen Star Wars at this point, so you think I'm cool to talk about like just a couple? Go ahead, yeah, go for it. Man. Well, so like one of my biggest issues the first time I saw it was uh, Leia like force pushing through space after she got blown hmm. up. Like I thought it looked stupid. I was it didn't make sense that that would she be able to do that with the force because she hasn't really been presented as a force user, and then all of a sudden, and then also like you see the cabin explode. But she's just in space, totally like, no, not a scratch on her, you know. Lots of little things like that really bothered me. But dude, it's in her, you know. On a second watch, I was I was viewing the whole thing. I was I came up with this idea. I was like, oh my god, Star Wars. The entire Star Wars universe is just <clears throat> a religious allegory, light and dark. Jesus and Satan, you know, you have Kylo Ren, who's like the dark figure. And this movie plays with uh, the idea that like the closer you are to either end of the force, the spectrum of the force, the more power you have. So it's dealing with like, I was viewing that as like morality, viewing this as a morality tale. This was probably just my high mind as I was watching this movie, but viewing it through that context, like everything just made perfect sense to me. Like I had zero issues. It's emotional. The action scenes are so good. Kylo Ren is incredible in this thing. I fucking loved it. Biggest, like, I don't know if I've ever, like... Flip-flopped? That big. <laughs> like, 3.5 to 5, that's a pretty big jump. Yeah. I'm sure there have been other movies where it flipped It's just a case of first time you didn't get it, and then second time you did, Matt. Just went over my head. That happens uh, Travis, what, what did we give it on the first watch? Five stars. Yeah. Five stars. That's what I thought. Okay. <laughs> just checking. Uh, okay. That's my number nine pick. Bandit's not on the podcast. <laughs> yes, he does not get to join. We were about <laughs> two inches from well, each other right there. I'm glad you came around on it, Matt. Me too. Yeah. I am too. Okay. My turn? Yeah. Number nine. I don't know how I'm going to follow a religious parable. 
Just do it with another one. Number nine. I didn't see this making my top ten. I really didn't. But as I was putting it together, I had to give it its props. John Wick, chapter two. Hell yeah. Perfect sequel. Did you rewatch that recently? Yeah, okay. I did rewatch it. Because I saw it. you rate it, but I didn't know if you were just like catching up or... Oh, no, I think I was just catching up um, because I didn't start using Letterboxd until yeah. after it came out. But um, but I did see it a second time. Okay, but not like in the last couple days. No. Okay. Doesn't matter. Just John Wick, <laughs> Chapter 2, uh, Expansion of the Universe, Perfect Cliffhanger. I'm so excited to see oh how God, this all dude. plays out. We got... Uh, some serious comedy. We got some serious drama. We had uh, some like one-on-one duels that I don't remember if there was a prominent one-on-one situation from the oh, first there was. movie. Oh, but, I know, but like with two guys that knew what they were doing. No, I thought you were talking about the second one. So yeah. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, they didn't quite recapture the club scene from the first movie, but on a whole, like all the scenes at the hotels were. And the the whole fight scene with Common, which lasts like forty minutes, and <laughs> yeah, they're just like discreetly <laughs> shooting at each other, walking through a crowd. Like, that yeah, was good. I I love this franchise. I was just so happy that the second movie lived up to the first one, and I think was even a little bit better. I would agree. Yes. Yeah. My turn. Your turn. Number nine. It comes at night. Mm-hmm. My boy, Treadwell, Trey Edward Treadward, Schultz. Treadward Schultz. <laughs> Treadward. Who directed Cresha last year, and that was number two on my list. So this guy's made it twice. So he's officially a stone cold stunner in my book. <laughs> I mean, I'm ready to watch Cresha now that I know what else the director's done. I'm so- it's not as good as it comes at night. Don't listen to this jabroni. Mm-hmm. Whatever, Matt. I'm not going to get into it. But <laughs> anyways, they're both top 10 worthies. And um, I love the like bleak in like the bleak atmosphere and the mood of this movie. You can watch it as like a survival movie, but then there's stuff going on underneath. And um, but it's very subtle. Like it doesn't really spell anything out. You kind of just have to put the pieces together yourself. Um, like it has to deal with death and dealing with it and like you can't stop what's coming as far as mm. death goes and um like trusting one another or like you know like another tribe if you want to get like that into it um but it was super intense Joel Edgerton is perfect in this he's becoming one of my favorite actors mm-hmm. um there's a scene in the middle of the movie where they go on a little adventure and it's super intense the ending is bleak as fuck but also super intense. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I feel like I could just watch this movie. I mean, even though it is super dark and kind of depressing, it just has this feel and look to it that just really work. Have you only seen it once? No, I saw it twice. Yeah, so did I. <clears throat> so did I. I saw it twice in theaters. Uh, this was one of those movies I was talking about when I said... There were five or six vying for that 10 oh, spot. I thought for sure it'd be on one of your lists. This was on my list, and I took it off. I thought about Bummer. putting it on my list, and I did not. Was that another one you got on your little piece of shit list over there? Actually, no. I didn't put it on there. Oh, okay. That's a bullet there. Uh, yeah, It Comes a Night is is a fantastic film. Like That opening scene, uh, you just get thrown into it. There's people wearing gas masks. You don't really yeah. know who these people are. They yeah. burn the body. Like... 
very incredible opening to to this film it's just so so stark and there's just something that's so mesmerizing about this movie just the way the camera moves through the house and the darkness and the, yeah. the ten- tension like i i love this yeah. movie I, I wish it could have made it on but the year was the year was just too good i think without being like a strong jump scare movie it's got the best suspense of the year you know there's so many moments where just like the recurring thing with the kid always being awake at night like the second he wakes up at night i'm like oh here we go yeah what are we gonna we're in for something (laughs) he's gonna see something or whatever and i mean obviously everyone was expecting something and i feel like a lot of audiences were disappointed by this but oh no it's my favorite brand (laughs) of like of sort of i love the uh supernatural but understated like signs was is a big favorite of mine Mm-hmm. The symbolic red door. Oh man, that, red door. <laughs> that was so good. That fucking red door, best yeah. door of 2017. <laughs> anyway, that's a that's a good pick. I'm I'm really glad mm-hmm. I made it on somebody's list. Yes, me too. Cool. All right, we're at number eight now, right? Yep. My number eight, Tom, John Wick Chapter Two. Woo! Hell yeah! Here we go, baby. Bang! Bang. What are you doing? <laughs> that wasn't on there either, dude. I told you you were fucked. Uh. John Wick Chapter 2. This was the most fun I had in the theaters all year. This was, what, February when this movie came out? (laughs) It popularized the term Gunkata, which is fucking sweet. That part where he's like going through the labyrinth, Mm. and he switches to the shotgun, and Uh he's just mowing motherfuckers down. (laughs) It's so good. Like like Tom already said, it fleshes out the universe in really interesting ways. It's not just about a guy who's avenging the death of his dog, you know? Like... So like the the thing with like the the assassins hotel and just like this crazy network of of assassins mm-hmm. like it's it's insane but so much fun, it doesn't take itself too seriously it takes itself just seriously enough that it, it is still like an intense action film but it's not yeah. up its own ass you know right I love that like this movie just nails the tone yeah uh well and it's it's a perfect sequel because like you said like the first one is literally just like a a small revenge tale about this guy getting revenge for his dog and this one just like fucking blows the universe up and like tom said it sets it up for a crazy third one so Mm -hmm. if that comes out it's probably what like a 2019 release that's gonna be like one of my most anticipated movies yeah probably Uh, anyway, we we re- listened or not listened. We recorded an episode about John Wick Chapter Two, so uh, I won't say any more about it. But if you have not yet seen the John Wick movies, check them out. That was one of our first episodes. It was, yeah. That was like <laughs> three or four or something. Probably, like that, I yeah. Think. Yeah, yeah. It's good shit. Uh, everyone should watch the John Wick movies if they haven't already seen them. I do love that movie. I probably would have needed to watch it one more time to maybe give it a chance at my top ten, but mm-hmm. it's probably somewhere in the twenty. Or 11 through like 25 range. Yeah. So it's up there for me. All right. Cool. All righty. My number eight is Coco. Yeah. Coco. I feel like this was the year for me of like just beautiful visually, uh, beautiful movies. Uh, And Coco definitely doesn't disappoint in that area. The movie's gorgeous to look at. I love the the story. I, I was... um. I read some article or something with that interviewed the two guys who made it, and they were just talking about like how they were really glad they were able to tell the story with the dignity that it deserved and the respect, uh, and that totally came through for me um, when I watched it because you know it's talking about a culture that not everybody's familiar with, but 
the way they handle all of those different elements. And I said this when we did the movie review, but when they, the way that they kind of show, don't tell uh, the viewer about how day of the dead works uh, for the most part. Uh, I don't know. That was all great for me. I love the music. I think that remember me should have won the best original song, the golden globes. What did win? Something from uh, the greatest showman. Oh I yeah, seen, I read but don't need that. to. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, wasn't there a better song in that movie than Remember Me? What was the one? <laughs> oh, that one we where they performed. Oh, the one we liked. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, but Remember Me Roco is the Loco Loco or something. Yeah, like yeah. That. Poco, Poco Loco. 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 Something yeah. like that. But Remember Me is the Yeah, the title like the song or whatever. Yeah. Recurring track. Um yeah, love this movie. Not quite as adult as other um Pixar films. Or a lot of other Pixar films, but that didn't bug me. We're dealing with death, man. It's serious stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Coco was another one that I was was vying for that ten spot and just didn't make it. Mm-hmm. I had it in there like this morning. I think I think Coco was number ten on my list. It was tough. It doesn't really have like a, like the edge that a lot of top ten movies need, or like a, a really strong hook. It's just a super super pleasant watch. Any of those. Those eight, nine, ten movies for me could be flip flop, but sure. It was on my list of Matt's top ten. Another swing and a miss, I bud. <laughs> Honorable mention for me. Mm. Good stuff. Best animated movie of the year, but I feel like that was kind of no contest. Yeah, like, yeah. What the like fuck? Like most what other... years where Pixar <laughs> movies released. What other animated movies were there this year? This year, fucking Despicable Me three, Cars, Cars nine, garbage. Oh. uh your name did any of us see that Mm-mm. i've heard the bread winner is really good but... yeah that's supposed to be really good too um yeah but yeah that was it. i do love coco a lot good pick did, did coco make it to the top two of our pixar bracket yeah <laughs> oh yeah mm-hmm. tyler was pissed about that was he because it just came out and he's like what the fuck yeah <laughs> it's fucking great maybe you should see the movie <laughs> uh my number eight Star Wars, The Last Jedi. Uh, Matt said this when we recorded it, even though he gave it a three and a half, but this one has the highest highs. And since Matt went into the whole religious parable, I'm just going to point out some of my favorite things about this movie. Mm -hmm. Uh, So the opening space battle is amazing. It pulls you right into the movie. Poe is being a badass. It's got high stakes. Um, I mean, there's already like you're already feeling emotional within like the first 15 minutes of the movie. And um, the throne room fight, I'm not going to say anything else besides that, but everyone who's seen it knows what I'm talking about. It's tops. I looked at my brother yep. like a, a little kid, just like, oh my God, this is happening. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's the, the last 30 minutes on the salt planet with like the red, dust or whatever you want to call it looks incredible like the millennium falcon weaving in and out of the i don't know what you want to call it but the caverns like whatever that was that that was was awesome um i i liked what ryan johnson did with the franchise how he basically kind of threw everything away and we're gonna start this over you know the whole Mm -hmm. kill the past thing and um i like how he basically the, the force isn't necessarily about like where you came from but it's just like anyone can possess it and that plays in whole race storyline um i'm a huge star wars fan 
I know I called myself a fanboy. I, I wouldn't really necessarily consider myself a fanboy, but I do love Star Wars a lot. Like my gamer tag is Darth Paul, as nerdy as that sounds. Like, <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, that's just like you kind of had to take it, right? Right. Yeah, I've had it since like junior high. So, um, but yeah, it was one of the best blockbusters of the year. Uh, super entertaining. Um, it's fucking Star Wars, baby. There are no longer <laughs> any excuses for making a planet that doesn't look awesome right and i mean we don't know where the next one's gonna go but i couldn't be more excited for episode nine Mm -hmm. did you guys see that the uh rotten tomatoes audience score is now 49 percent? it went down even more yep is there another spam bot out there (laughs) i don't know i don't know but this is this has been the least successful star wars movie ever by like pretty huge margin i think in regards to box office Oh what? Really? Weird. It had like it had the biggest drop off from weekend one to weekend two in the history of the franchise. Weird. It's getting uh it's a lot I mean it clearly it made a shitload of money. Yeah. But Star Wars isn't going anywhere anytime. Right. Soon. But comparatively, there are a lot of people who are upset with this movie. Which so many people so whatever. Wrong. Kill them. Kill them all. <laughs> Kill, Kill the past. <laughs> Uh, there is uh, a guy I'm friends with on Facebook who is a huge Star Wars fan, and he recently posted that he has now seen The Last Jedi six times, and he can say with confidence it's one of the worst movies ever made. <laughs> and I'm not kidding. I, I find that ridiculous. He feels very strongly about The Last Jedi. And I, I didn't really mean kill anyone who doesn't like this movie. I don't want to alienate our 20 listeners, but... Uh... <laughs> oh, no, we have... Chances are good that listeners. they did not like this film. That is ridiculous statement. Yeah, well, but you know. Whatever, teach their own. I, I gave Thor Ragnarok one and a half, so, you know, I know how it feels mm. to not like a movie when everyone else does. <laughs> uh, okay, cool. Anything else on Star Wars? No. All right. We're at number seven. My number seven pick of the year, Yorgos Lanthimos's The Killing of a Sacred Deer. Mm, yeah, that was on there. I only got one, baby. Uh, <laughs> put a star. What, what is it? We need you get nine stars. What place did you have it on? Oh, I had it much higher. I uh, thought I love this movie. I did. Well, it's number did, seven in the year. Not as much love as I thought. This mm. is one of those movies that has, like, I still think about a fair amount. It's so like we were talking about tension with it comes in night. Like this movie is just like, makes you so squirmy and uncomfortable. Like, uh, one of my favorite performances of the year. And I'll talk about it a little more later too, is, uh, I don't know, Barry Keogh or whatever, (laughs) Keegan, whatever his name is, the kid. There's just something about like the way he delivers his lines and his like avoiding eye contact and even his mannerisms. Like it's so unsettling. And obviously the subject matter of the film itself is incredibly unsettling. Like the decision this doctor has to make. Everyone in the movie, I think, gives an incredible performance. Uh, Colin Farrell is maybe my favorite performance of his. Uh, The Lobster is is pretty good too, but... um, Nicole Kidman is great in this. Uh, it's just by the climax of the movie, like when you actually watch it happen, it's just like my nails are like digging into my my seat. And it's just so it filled me with so much anxiety. But I think it's so challenging and carefully constructed visually. I think it's an incredible piece of work. Um, I, I absolutely love this movie. It is great. Yeah, man. Uh 
That was a, I, I thought when I first saw it, I thought that I liked the lobster. Like when I walked out, I was like, I definitely prefer the lobster. I still prefer the lobster. Do you really? Know I don't think so. Because yeah. lobster is a little bit more accessible. It's still bizarre, but like the the story is just I, I don't know the the it's it's a little bit more I don't want to say linear because the, the I mean the lobster is kind of out there like you you really have to just like because it doesn't really I know but it's so itself. out there it's like you are you just accept where are we okay it doesn't matter anymore we're just watching this weird those are all of his <laughs> movies he just takes you to a different place and yeah. it's it's not the world we're used to but. I mean, I love living in this guy's world. Yeah, <laughs> he, he's he's something else, man. Killing of a Sacred Deer, though, was just like, uh, I mean, you said it. it. It's challenging. It gives you mixed feelings. And so, I mean, when he's spinning around, it's hilarious. You know, that final scene. You want to laugh and you want to it's, like. It's so you have like conflicting emotions so frustrated with all the movie. characters. All of them are yeah. so frustrating. Oh my gosh! But the performance is what does it. The from that kid Barry. Yes. Whatever. Absolutely. Um, great music in that movie too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Love the score in that. And also that opening scene, which is like the hearts, the beating heart, the surgery thing. Oh like, what a way to open a movie. Oh like, good shit. Yeah. Um, okay, seven. My number seven movie is Star Wars. We won't linger on it. Um, <laughs> Landed like right about the same spot in all of our yeah. lists. Not, you know? like, uh, what did it go? Nine, eight, seven. Yeah. Well, wait. Yeah. 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 It was my nine. Yeah. Nine, eight, seven. Yeah. It. Uh, I don't know. Throws the whole story that I could have. You know, was kind of meh on on its head. And for the first time, I actually care what happens next. <laughs> um, so that's enough to to put it up there for me. But I had a ton of fun, and like you were saying, with with some of those scenes. I couldn't believe what I was seeing. That's it. That's what you My number seven, Call Me By Your Name. Mm -hmm. This movie is beautiful Mm -hmm. on all accounts. Mm -hmm. The setting, the music, the relationship, um, the way it's shot. Um, The final 20 minutes is probably the best 20 minutes in any movie um, this year. The conversation between... Yeah, ever. <laughs> uh, the last 20 minute or the last conversation with Michael Stuhlbarg and Timothy Chalamet just really brings the movie together. Um, if you just listened to our last episode, I'm probably rehashing a lot of my same thoughts on it. Um, I loved watching these two on screen. Um, it's just a beautiful story, a beautiful relationship. Um, and it also like brought me back to a time of like, freedom as far as like just like spending the summer hanging out and just like not really having any responsibilities because like i don't get to do that anymore Mm -hmm. these days like i like it even though i'm not gay i mean i remember like being you know 16 or 17 and like going out on dates and just like spending time with the person i was dating throughout the summer and it's yeah, it's awesome movie. It's young love. Yeah. It, it, yeah. It's long, young love is just so hot and heavy and it's just like uh, intense infatuation with one another. You know, it's very intense and this movie just nails yeah. that. It's yeah. also that weird time, like you were saying, those like late teen, mid to late teen summers where it's like you don't really have any responsibility, but you're also starting to get bored with summer and you can't just enjoy it because you're... St- 
you have weird anxieties about your life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I, I can, I can relate with that too. And who doesn't want to just live in Northern Italy now? Yeah. So beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> it's something else, man. Also, Timothy Calame, one of the best performances of the year. I absolutely oh, yeah. love him in this movie. Oh yeah. Agreed. Um, you know, you guys talked a little bit about um, the uh, about how Army Hammer's a little bit older. It didn't bug me so much when I was watching it. I thought that they had the the proper chemistry. It didn't bother me either. I wish. I mean, sure, he could have been a little bit younger, but honestly, his his uh, his presence just really matched well with the kind of relationship they were trying to build. I don't. I don't know how the book portrays it, but I feel like they cast timothy chalamet first and then they were like okay who matches up well with this guy well and i mean they're polar opposites but like they just work so well together Mm -hmm. i uh i went on a a date with a girl who had just recently seen call me by your name and she absolutely loved it but she was telling me that her friend who read the book uh the ending like the book goes past where the movie ends Mm -hmm. so like in the book Spoilers for the book if people are like currently reading Call Me By Your Name, I guess. So maybe skip ahead like 20 seconds. But uh, in the book, uh, they reconnect like a couple years later in Boston. Like Army Hammer's char- character lives in Boston now and he invites uh, Elio to come over and he like meets his wife and kids and they have like a, a conversation where they like, you know, talk about their relationship and how you know it wasn't meant to be but whatever so Hmm. it goes beyond where the film ends but where the film ends i think is there is talks of a sequel is there really Mm -hmm. yeah i think the director wants to do one so just Mm, i don't know how i feel about that yeah yeah i don't think there needs to be a sequel it ended so perfectly it's so does the conversation with the father still happen in the book do you know she didn't mention if it does because i feel like all you need is the conversation to understand where the two characters are going. Yeah, right. Totally. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I'm not sure about that part, but hmm. okay. Well, I'm glad the movie didn't end that way because I thought it ended perfectly. Same. Yeah, I wouldn't have wanted to see a like a reconnecting type thing. The way, yeah, I don't want to spoil it, but the way it ends is perfect. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Agreed. All right, number six. Uh, my number six pick is going to be three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri. Let's put a star next to that one. <laughs> uh, yeah, we talked about this on the show, but I absolutely love this movie. Uh, it's getting a fair amount of backlash. I feel talk like about it's, outrage. It's only going to get build more momentum as we get closer to the Oscars. But uh, uh, I do understand why people find the movie problematic. But I think they're just. I feel it, like Matt. they're not they're not viewing it in context, you know. Like I do, I do get the the idea that uh, the the black characters in the film are not portrayed well, uh, especially because one of them is basically just serves to like be the fall guy for uh, uh, what the fuck is her name, Frances McDormand's character. So I mean, I do see where why people would have issues with this film, but for me, the subject matter is just so interesting and it's dark but the movie has always has a sense of humor and uh it will interweave very dark tense moments with comedy and a lot of the time movies are not 
very good at managing that tone, but I feel like this movie strikes that balance perfectly. You know, I really wish you hadn't said that because now I'm going to have to go back and hang out with my friend and he's going to be all up in me about the <laughs> the dark comedy thing again, that whole disagreement. <laughs> I don't think that, I, I do think this is a drama. I don't think this is a comedy, <laughs> but uh, yeah, their performances, Francis McDormand is incredible. Sam Rockwell is incredible. Woody Harrelson, like everybody mm. kills in this movie. Woody uh, Harrelson had a great year. Yeah, yeah. War for Planet of the Apes wasn't there wasn't a like Wilson movie come out this one. year? That was garbage. Yeah, man. I didn't see it. <laughs> Not his fault. And he was. I think he was in another thing. But so. Uh, oh yeah, Glass Castle. Oh yeah, awesome. yeah. He was great in that. Did you guys watch the Golden Globes? I didn't. Hmm. I did. Oh yeah, I did actually. Did, I, I didn't like plan to watch them, but I just yeah, they were so on. happened to watch them. Well, I was at uh, Chelsea's brother's house, and it was on, so we watched it, and then. Uh, we came back home and I was kind of half watching it while Chelsea was watching it. Um, but if you got any questions, just. <laughs> <laughs> well, my question is, is, I'm starting to think that Frances McDormand just actually played herself in that movie <laughs> because right? she was so <laughs> hardcore at, <laughs> at mm-hmm. the show. Really? Yeah, because cameras, you know, they're doing the cutaway scenes the whole th- time. They're filming celebrities like right up in their faces. And every time they would go to Frances McDormand, she would either wave the camera away or literally like lean over and make it super obvious that she was trying to look around the cameraman. She's, I mean, she also is well known for being like camera shy, you know, yeah. so like she doesn't really have like a public persona, yeah. you know, so I think she just was uncomfortable being there. I think, you know, yeah. I don't think she likes being in the spotlight. Well, she had the same furrowed brow that she has throughout three billboards <laughs> and I loved it. Yeah. She was, she was a force of nature. And you think she'll take it at movie. the Oscars too? Uh, no, I wish, but I, I think they're going to give it to Saoirse Ronan. Really? Mm. Think so? I think so. Yeah. Do I think she deserves to win? No. Oh, I man. think she's incredible, but I don't also, think she deserves to win. Also, her Irish accent when she's not doing I don't I can't believe it's thick, how well dude, she does man. an American accent. She has accent. a thick accent. Table bet. Gentleman's bet. Francis McDormand's going to win. You're saying that? Yeah. Did she win at the Golden Globes? Yeah. Oh, well, all right. Dark Horse, Margot Robbie taking it. Oh yeah, I Tanya. I would be okay with that. I wouldn't, but I thought the performance was good get fucked Tom. <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah three billboards outside ebbing missouri uh it's hilarious it made me cry not that that's a hard thing to accomplish but it did uh probably absolutely the, love this movie the Great heaviest flick. hitter emotionally of the year that For what really this movie three billboards i mean not that you're gonna cry necessarily but like yeah the emotional impact of all the things that happen in that story you don't think so I mean, not not for me personally. I, I, it's up there, but it's definitely not. Mm. Yeah, I don't know, man. The final moments of Dunkirk. Come on. <laughs> oh my God. Okay, whatever. We'll, we'll get. I'm back kidding. To it. I don't cry. I don't think I cried once during a movie this year. No. <laughs> oh. You have no heart, Travis. Gleason last year though got. Me. Oh, dude, that. But fucking, that's real shit. I was a fucking wreck. Oh after that. my. You've God. seen uh, Dear Zachary, right? Oh yeah, that's awesome. That movie made you cry, right? Dude, I I watched that in a college class. The Did whole you? class was just <laughs> flush with tears. I haven't seen either of those. You Same have, director? Okay. No. Uh-huh. Don't look up anything about Dear Zachary and just watch it. Nothing. Nothing. It's on, it's on Netflix. All right, man. Hold on. Absolutely nothing. It is the it. most emotionally devastating film I've ever seen in my entire life. 
I mean, like it's f- I. You know, I don't normally pick those. It's fucked. I mean, like especially for <laughs> like a documentary, because it's like it has like so much shit that goes on to it that like you can't even believe it's all true, and it it is, and it just blows your mind. And it there's some twists and turns it, that you aren't expecting. Yeah, it's. It's, it's a tough, it's a it tough, tough, brutal. tough watch. But All right, God, guys, let's so let's get focused. Good. Sorry. All right, Tom. What's 2017. Your, uh... My number six yes. of the year is Get Out. Mm-hmm. We've Some said would it say before. the most important movie of the year. It's not perfect, necessarily. <laughs> I had some qualms with it the first time I watched that are no longer qualms. And I think that watching it a second time, I would be probably let down a little bit by the suspense or or whatever. Yeah, you said that last that me, last yeah. time. Um, I did start it the other day, but I didn't have time to watch it, so I just got like fifteen minutes in. But um, but on a first time watch, I was so uh, kind of discombobulated by the genre bending, and I didn't know if I liked it until that scene with the teacup mm-hmm. after that i was totally bought in i was hypnotized you sunk <laughs> yeah. by that scene you sunk into the floor i sunk man <laughs> i was deep i was pretty captivated at that moment and beyond um yeah i don't know i think what it's doing for for the horror genre um is really important too it, it was a pretty um pretty remarkable movie I don't know. I feel like some of that's faded since it came out so early in the year, but uh, the talk is warranted, in my opinion. Yeah, I honestly like. I I really do like the movie, but like my my biggest issue with the movie is incredibly like nitpicky. But I just can't get over it because it's such a minor detail. But that the, but it just frustrates the hell out of me. The camera flash. The camera flash. <laughs> wow. Get over it's it. It's so yeah. stupid. You really dude. do need to get over it. I, I've seen it twice and it bothered me just as much the second time. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, I guess it's a, a gimmick or like a, an easy way out. It doesn't make out. any sense. I don't understand. Dude, like, the whole plot doesn't make any sense. That's so, it, that's such like an arbitrary thing though, that it's just like, oh, camera flash is what does it. Like, I'm, I'm sorry, but I'm not willing to like, I'll suspend my disbelief for, brain transplants and like you know all, all like the racial context in the film and like i obviously believe the motivations of these characters and why they're doing this it's just that just seems cheap it seems lazy to me the the that the camera flash Man. thing seems but lazy you can believe like the plot of the killing of a sacred deer like do i believe the, the plot like like what happens in that movie is it's kind of ridiculous yeah. if you want to put it in reality and like there's no way like someone can actually control someone or you know like make them like go ill. Well, no, to my the issue for me is that it just feels it feels lazy. Like he needed to come up with a way to like get them to snap out of it and like resurface from the sunken place and that's what he came up with. Like it just I Yeah. Don't know. I don't know. I, don't like I usually just take the movie for what it's worth and you know, I Man, I sure hope Jordan Peele gets it right next time. <laughs> uh, I'd like a couple minutes on this movie. Well, not a couple minutes, but, you know. Uh, Take as long as you need. This was number three on my list for the longest time, and it pained me to leave it off my list. This and another movie were, like, 
I wish I had more room. They jumped all the way off, spots. or they just worked their way down throughout the year? Get Out on a rewatch worked itself off oh. my list. And I kind of wish it's, I feel like I betrayed it a little bit because had I not rewatched it, it would have been on my top 10. You should have watched it with a first time, a f- first time viewer. I did. Oh, never mind. We'll hear about that in a little bit, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, well, we can actually, uh, we received, I forgot to mention this, but we asked some of our listeners to uh, send in some emails regarding their, uh, their favorite mm-hmm. films of the year. I got a late submission too. Did you? Yes. We got quite a few submissions this year. So uh, here, let me find this uh, this email here. While while you're looking for that, Matt, um, I love Get Out, but I feel like it's it's a really smart like thriller horror movie, but it's almost a little too smart, and then it becomes a little gimmicky, and that's what I kind of felt the second time I watched it, and it just didn't have as much impact on a second viewing or without like a full crowd. So yeah, that's fair. Um, okay. So we received uh, an email from Corbin. He says, Hey, name's Corbin. And my favorite film I saw this year, hands down was get out. When movies address race, I often find it hard for that film not to slip into the quote, civil rights or white privilege category until get out. So get out. The only movie I've seen that made the issue relevant yet. Wait, the only the, the only movie I've seen that made the issue relevant yet while keeping it in the shadows was Django. He's referring to Django Unchained. However, Jordan Peele did an amazing job bringing race up as an issue, however, not making it the main plot. Don't know if I agree with that. I feel like race is. I mean, it's part the of plot. The, the plot, but it's not like. I mean, that's what the whole movie is about. Race can't be a plot. <laughs> it's like the motive. <laughs> yeah. For the for the characters, but. There's a plot on top of that. Yeah. Okay. The sure, plot is he goes to his girlfriend's parents' house and the central theme we will chaos call it is racism. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, he continues. The twist is ridiculous yet relieving at the same time. And I was on the edge of my seat for the entire second half of the movie. Mm. So that was Corbin's submission. Thanks for sending that in, Corbin. Second half of the movie. I'm I'm right with Corbin on that. Mm-hmm. I would also say. As far as how it treats race, I love the play off of the stereotypes. So I don't want to spoil the whole movie for people who haven't seen it, but like the motivations of the characters who are behind the whole operation have really stereotypical like desires and thoughts about about black people. I don't know. I love how it wasn't just about racism, but it's also like calling out common stereotypes. Yes, totally. Yeah. Right. But. And I mean, I think Corbin was getting to that. Like it just, he does it in a smart way where like it can be for everyone. Like white people can watch this movie and enjoy it and also like make them think about it, but it never feels like, oh shit. I mean, it kind of does, but you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm empty. Tom, you good? I think I'm on three. Matt, did you just see my number six? God damn it. No, I didn't. Okay, good. My screen. (laughs) (laughs) Handwritten, baby. (laughs) All right. That was a quick beer moment. Um, Number five. This can be a first. Wait, you just just went, didn't you? Oh, yeah. (laughs) I think it's my turn. I was confusing (laughs) you because you just read that email. (laughs) I was like, I haven't done six yet. (laughs) So my number six, I'm surprised it's higher on my list than yours, Matt. 
the killing of a sacred deer. I am also surprised that I, I thought it wasn't going to make your list. Uh, it can be watched as just like a straight up horror thriller, but there's so much more going on. So much. More. It's funny too. We didn't really talk about that when I had yeah. it on my list, but it's it's, it's funny. Darkly funny. <laughs> yeah. uh, Dark comedy, some would say. This the, the hair scene though. Where he's talking about, he's like, so your your son or whatever told me that you have you have like three times as much hair as me. Oh, <laughs> right. Yeah. And then he's like, can you show me? I want to see how much hair you have. Like, it's so <laughs> uncomfortable, but so funny. Like, and like the spaghetti scene is also like very uncomfortable, but also funny in a way. Funny. I found mainly that scene just of mainly his... disturbing. So did I. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But it is kind of funny. Yeah. Like, it's kind of funny how disturbing he is. Yeah. It's conceptually funny. The idea that you could make eating spaghetti so, it could make you so uncomfortable. Well, doesn't he act like he invented yeah. the way he eats? That, yeah. <laughs> Which is so stupid, but <laughs> Oh, and then there's also that moment where the boy really thinks he can walk to the window. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, it's eating shit. It's also head. not funny, but it is funny. Like, um, I made this comment when we reviewed it. This is the movie that mother wanted to be. Get fucked. <laughs> With the whole, you know, Christ-like father figure. Yeah. And having to sacrifice one of his family members. Um, Matt, you already said it, but Barry Keegan is amazing in this. Probably my favorite performance of the year. Like, oh. I don't know. I just, like, if this kid does the right things, like, he could be incredible. And I just hope he picks the right roles or, like, you know, there's directors out there who are looking for this kid after this movie. We want his talent to be nurtured. Yes. What kind of movie do you want to see him in next? Ooh, that's a good question. But I mean, he's probably a war movie, like a modern, no. like put him in Iraq. He was in Dunkirk. <laughs> no, no, no. Please don't do that. We have enough of those. I just want him to just take the Jake Gyllenhaal tra- uh, trajectory 100%. He can do Jarhead and then like a Nightcrawler about 10 years later. Don't forget Bubble Boy. <laughs> How could I forget? <laughs> uh, I can't wait till I see this kid in a Marvel movie. It's gonna be huge. Oh, gross. <laughs> as a no. villain, as a villain sidekick, <laughs> I think he needs to stay in this realm like this. This is where he's gonna psychological. Thrive. The fucking yeah. weirdo realm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, but I don't want him to get typecast. You don't either. want him to be Paul Dano, do you? <laughs> no. <laughs> Yorgos has uh, shown that he he likes to work with the same actors multiple times. Maybe yeah. he'll maybe he'll bring him in for his next project. Yeah, maybe. and I mean he could have a completely different performance. Maybe he'll become uh, Lanthimos's uh, De Niro. Although I feel like that's probably Colin Farrell at this point. But well, two movies isn't really necessary <laughs> uh, or. Uh, Necessarily, necessarily mean. Uh, how many movies do you think De Niro and uh, Scorsese have done together? Like eight? I don't know. Quite a few. I'm I assuming there are some bad ones in the last, like in the early 2000s, that I just don't really know about. And the last time they worked together was uh, Casino. Oh, okay. I don't anyway, know why, like Leonardo like... DiCaprio uh, replaced him. Oh, well. I mean, that's that's tough. <laughs> Young Gun comes on the scene like like Leo. Um, but yeah, um, I said this before and I'll say it again. I love being in this guy's world. I think this is probably my favorite movie of his, uh, then Dogtooth, then The Lobster, and I haven't seen Alps. Um, I just feel like this movie was very like confidently directed. Mm-hmm. Like he, he knew what he wanted to do and he fucking did it. And like, it's, yeah, it's a weird movie, but I don't know. It just works. It's great. Mm-hmm. Sweet. All right. Top half of the list, done. 
we're getting into the nitty gritty. Uh, my number five is a film that I saw just last night. Phantom Thread, Paul Thomas Anderson's latest film. Uh, yesterday was my birthday and Travis got some uh, advanced tickets. So we went and saw it here in Seattle. It was tight. Happy birthday, dude. <laughs> oh, thanks, man. <laughs> uh, I love this movie. I, I think I said at the top of the show, like I consider like the top five movies this year, like some of my favorite movies I've ever seen. Sacred Text. I loved it. It was beautifully shot. I was worried based on the trailers and just like the, the plot description that I was going to find it boring, but... I was mesmerized start to finish. I was fascinated by like this world as far as, you know, uh, this designer who is like very enigmatic and very uh, set in his ways, but also revered. Um, and the notion of a man like this and then he kind of meeting his match in, in a woman, you know, because uh, he in the trailers, he mentions the fact that he's a, he's a confirmed bachelor. So the the whole movie toys with this idea of like this man who is incredibly hard to be around, but also like a talent that maybe the industry has never seen. That uh, interplay between Daniel Day Lewis and uh, I can't remember the actress's name, but she she's also incredible. Like when you can like stand toe to toe with Daniel Day Lewis in a scene, like you know that's that's a talent worth paying attention to. So like. Daniel Day-Lewis gives one of his finest performances, I think. It's not maybe as showy as some of his other roles, but it's very uh, subtle. Mm. Like, the thing, the things he does with his eyes, the looks he gives her, his smile, like, lots of these little moments and interactions. Um, visually, like, every image just had me captivated. Like, even though it's, like, simple for the most part, this movie does a really cool thing where like the cameras will get really close in on people's faces. It moves with the characters. You know, it's like walking behind people. People are looking directly in the camera, Man. over the camera, under the camera. It's very I feel graceful. like I'm in a ballroom right now. It's yeah. I mean, it kind of feels that way. It's almost like the whole movie is a dance almost. Um, and uh, I won't get into spoilers, but like the movie goes some places I wasn't expecting it to go. Where um, does it rank in the... Uh... PT Anderson. PTA, it's probably like the middle, mm -hmm. in the middle for me. The Master is my favorite. Punch Strong Glove, uh, Boogie Nights, I all prefer, but hmm. uh, I, I absolutely love this movie. And I am so glad I got to see it before we did this list. Yeah. Uh, that's my number five. I did not get to see it. I no. will remain silent for now. <laughs> hmm. Hmm. Man, I'm so bummed that I didn't get to see this, but. Well, you'll catch up with it. You, you can talk about it next time. Release in Seattle. Come on. It comes out it came out tonight. Well, yeah, but you could be seeing it right now, Tom. What are you right doing now? here? <laughs> it should have been released earlier. Like it should have been released sometime in December. I don't yeah, know I why. Do. They it, always it, do that with for his a mid January release. I saw I saw Inherent Vice on my birthday 3 years ago. Yeah, I don't know. He just needs to quit doing that. I don't think it's him doing it. <laughs> no, nah, it's his fault. He's doing it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I fell in love with Daniel Day-Lewis when I saw him in the first movie of his that I saw, which was Last of the Mohicans, oh, probably yeah. his most traditional role of all of his of his films, and I never went back. Perfect leading <laughs> man. <laughs> um, okay, my number five was Lady Bird. 
Mm-hmm. Kind of surprised I haven't heard it yet because it makes me think that it's not on your lists, but whatever. Uh, Saoirse Ronan was really spectacular in her role. Um, again, I don't know how she does an American accent that well. Dude, it's insane. Um, like her talking at the Golden Globes versus I know, her I, and Lady Bird. I it's was, night and day. I was shocked. Uh, what's the actress who plays her mother, Laurie Metcalf? Yep. Yeah, they had amazing chemistry. They really did. They felt yeah. they felt like an authentic mother daughter pair. Um, I, I don't relate to this film in the way that some of the people I saw this movie with did. Um, Makes sense. But it just it just came through for me as an authentic relationship, as an authentic experience, uh, and I can totally imagine myself saying the things that that she said as like a kind of petulant 18 year old or maybe she's 17 who really wants to go to a nice college and hates where she lives and feels like she's not surrounded by culture um even though the movie is a love letter to totally sacramento totally sacramento right yeah to sacramento absolutely this movie's really funny too the some of the characters are are great i was listening to an interview of greta gerwig and she was saying that like the the starting point of this movie was the line where she basically lies at the party about where she's from. And she says she's from San Francisco to try and sound cool, Mm -hmm. but she's actually from, Mm -hmm. you know, Sacramento. And, um, I don't know if anyone's pointed this out yet, but, um, you know, the shot, I don't know, this is probably like very minor, but, um, there's like a shot of a bridge in Lady Bird where like the two friends are standing there and looking at it. I feel like that was a total homage to, uh, Manhattan. Cause I, you know, she's a huge, Woody Allen Woody fan. Allen fan. Yeah. Well, I mean, she did just come out this week saying that she's ashamed that she worked with Woody Allen. Oh, really? Yeah. You mean when she's in Manhattan or when she's in Sacramento? No, she's in Sacramento and there's like this shot of this bridge and her and her friend are mm-hmm. like standing there talking and it's so reminiscent of the shot, like the most famous when shot of When they're sitting on the bench and you can see the, the bridge. Hmm. Like the Brooklyn Bridge or something? I don't remember. Like, I just remember the part where the mother's driving over the bridge. And there, and she's reading the letter that her dad had packed. For it's her. a very right. minor yeah. thing that I'm referencing, but mm. well, um, sorry, lost my train of thought. But uh, yeah, I think we had some, maybe some questions about the ending a little bit, um, but it didn't, it didn't bug me. And I thought this m- movie had some really, really powerful moments, in particular uh, with um, the guy from Manchester by the Sea, that kid. Lucas Hedges. Lucas Hedges. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so. Timothy was in it as well. Yeah, he was. Douchey <laughs> boyfriend. <laughs> I know. I know. That kid. He's a he's a star. Uh, yeah, that's my number five. Lady Bird. Sweet. Good movie. Just not top ten worthy for me. Yeah. Same. Sorry. My number five, I, Tanya. <sighs> I, I didn't get a chance to see it. I'm bummed. I love sports movies. Margot Robbie is incredible as Tanya Harding. Um, Margot Robbie, just as an actress in general, is amazing. Like the way she can switch from comedy and drama, just like Mm -hmm. the drop of a hat, is incredible. I was really impressed with her. There's two scenes in this movie that like really blow her performance up for me. And it's the scene when she's putting on makeup in front of the mirror. And then the like end scene. No spoilers. Uh, No, I mean, it's, it's real life, but. Like a real event that happened. You can spoil the listeners, but this you can't is, spoil me. This is real life, Matt. 
What's real life? This uh, that we're all experiencing. I'll just say it's in no, a what, courtroom. What about Does that that doesn't really spoil anything? It's in a courtroom. What Being I know what you're talking about. A moment in in a courtroom that she has is incredible. Towards the end of the movie. Way to go, bud! You just ruined the whole no, fucking movie. No, come on. Uh, the way the there's a courtroom scene. Yeah, no. The skating <laughs> scenes are shot are is like so good. Very like kinetic and energetic and yeah. It's really well done. Everyone's complaining about the face replacement, and sure, I get it. And I actively tried to like not pay attention. People to are the talking face. about that. Yeah, that's so interesting because when we left, actually, uh, the friend I saw it with pointed out that he like he was super impressed with those shots because he didn't notice it at oh. all, and he wasn't. I don't think he was bringing it up because he'd heard a lot of chatter about it. He just yeah. assumed. I mean, she can't do. He a, knew that wasn't a, her. A fucking. Yeah. She can't do it. I mean, no one. No whatever. one can do a triple axel. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. So uh, I'm. I don't know if they ever had like a just a pure shot of the triple axel, but yeah. Um. But I mean, they, any of those, any like the spinning, basically anything that she did out there, aside from skating backwards, was probably not her. There, it's believable though. I mean. Oh yeah. I mean, you know, it's not Mark Robbie skating. But yeah. It, you still are. You buy into it when you're watching it. It's not Ryan Gosling playing the piano. No. <laughs> uh, but anyways. Um, or the keyboard. It's. <laughs> the keytar. <laughs> the movie also plays with the whole like truth and what actually happened. And at the start of the movie, it basically says like, this is the story. You can believe it or not. And so it's kind of taking like truths from each side of the story. Um, I don't know. Do you know? You, you know. No, the, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, and you know, I, I know the story. Of, yeah, yeah. I felt like what the story that they told did not leave a ton of room for um, for ambiguity. But I thought that at least presenting it as you know what we're sharing some personal opinions here was the right way to go. Yeah, and um, it's it's highly entertaining. I was engaged throughout. It's kind of got like a Coen Brothers vibe as far as like a there's a you know, there's like a, a plan, but it's like a plan that a bunch of dummies are conjuring up, oh and gosh. oh my god, <laughs> uh, it doesn't go as planned, obviously, because they don't know what the fuck they're doing. Um, but yeah, um, Allison Janney is incredible in it as her mom, and it makes you also feel for Tanya Harding, which she's been like a villain for like years, and they kind of play into the whole like media aspect of it because this was like one of the, like the first big like media stories that like took news by storm and it, it, it there's kind of like a joke towards the end of the movie where it, it kind of gets forgotten i'm sure you know what i'm talking yeah. about tom <laughs> yeah um but yeah i mean a, a movie that can make you feel for a character like this and it also gets into like the whole like class thing and skating because ice skating is all about like being prim and proper and like having a look and being from a certain family and tanya harding is her own thing like she has her own style she's very sassy she does a dance or a, a routine to like a zz top song like hair metal <laughs> yeah and like it's super cool watching her do her own thing on screen and sure it's a dramatized version but like i was so sucked into it um <laughs> Dude, the second and they start playing that heart song, I was just like, oh, yeah. <laughs> the guy who plays her bodyguard is fucking hilarious. Okay, I was going to say, when you were talking about the, the the idiots that make this plot, okay, you think that this guy, and a lot of these characters, you think that they're just 
a little bit over the top, right? And then in the final credits, of course, I mean, I was waiting for this the whole movie when they show live footage of Tanya Harding. You know, you want to see the footage of her doing the triple axel or something. And then they show some of the other people involved. And I was just like, oh my God, this is exactly how this guy is. They nailed him spot on. They right. didn't overdo it at all. I don't know. Had I known that up front, I probably would have been loving the movie even more. <laughs> I think it's in the trailer, but I still won't spoil it. There's a line that he says in this interrogation scene that I just like <laughs> lost my shit. <laughs> He's so funny. And like, he, what is he? He has like this whole like, it's not like a conspiracy, but like he... He, he has just a fake backstory, basically. Yeah, what does he say he is, he though? He says he's a counter-terrorist like counter-terrorism <laughs> <laughs> agent. And they're like, no, you're not. And he's like, I am. <laughs> uh, it was so entertaining, so well done. Great movie. I'm bummed I didn't get to catch up with that one. I do hope I can see it like in the next week or so. I do want to catch up with it. Uh, okay, uh, we're at what, number four now? What what time are we at? In the pod? Do we want to take a break right now, or do we want to keep rolling through the, the, the top five? Well, I mean, we're in our top four now. It's up to you guys. I mean, oh, right. I think most of these <laughs> will have been heard already, so we might not need that much time. Meaning we should just keep going? Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Okay. Well, I'm going to go use the restroom then. Okay. Uh, my number four, Blade Runner 2049. Dun, 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 dun. It was on Travis's list. He just gestured at me on his way into the bathroom. So you got three points. Uh, this is, I realized, uh, this is the fourth year in a row that a Denny Villeneuve film has been on my top ten. Uh, Prisoners was like nine or eight the year it came out. Yeah. The next year was Enemy. That was number one that year. Yeah. Next year was Sicario. That was number two. Arrival, number two. Now Blade Runner, number five? four. Wait, what? So this is five years? Four years in a row. So the past four, he has Wait, made a Prisoners, movie. Prisoners, Enemy, Sicario, Arrival, Blade Runner. Five. Oh, yeah. And then, oh, yeah. Probably and then. The top five of the last four years. It has, yeah. All of them. Because, yeah. Wow. Jesus. Uh, I fucking love this filmmaker. I'm a big fan of the original Blade Runner. His I'm atmosphere a... is untouchable. Yes. Uh I am maybe the biggest Ryan Gosling fan that I know. Anyway, mm. you, uh, I mean, who's I'm a bigger Ryan second. Gosling fan? You're definitely not <laughs> as big of a Ryan Gosling fan as I am. You can get fucked. What's the Ryan Gosling's middle name? What is what? What's his middle name? I have Adams. no idea. Wrong. It's Ryan. Ryan Ryan? No. Adam Ryan Gosling. That's not true. Get no. out of here. <laughs> hey, to be fair, he is like my biggest man crush in. Drive is like top three movies of all time. Yeah. So we both love Ryan Gosling. Yeah. Anyway, that's not the point. Yeah. Blade Runner Go 2049 ahead, is <laughs> like conceptually, uh, visually, it's maybe the biggest movie of the year. Like the, the visuals in this film are incredible. Like the color, uh, the colors in the film, year the of color. set design, the costuming, all of that is spot on. Visually, it's immaculate. It takes the themes of the original Blade Runner and just expands upon them. And this movie is so much more perfect sequel. thematically. Yes, it's it's a near perfect film. I absolutely adore this movie. Um, I think the writing is spot on. Uh, 
the the places that the plot goes i found very provocative but also suspenseful like this movie part of the uh one of the things that people had an issue with with the this sequel was that it people found it boring so like the original blade runner had a very deliberate pace this movie keeps that pace but uh balloons the running time so this movie is like two hours and 45 minutes basically i was on board start to finish i was never bored i was just fascinated start to finish uh the movie deals with themes of what it means to be human morality uh love and trust you know and the biggest thing is you know like artificial intelligence the the way it handles that concept i think is uh, it's not original. It's been done before, but it does a really good job of intelligently uh, exploring the notion of, you know, the relationship between what makes someone human. Like, consciousness is what defines, you know, life, I guess you could say. So it's just, uh, I found the movie touching, like the ending when Ryan Gosling is just like, settling in on the steps in the snow it's so beautiful and he just feels like he's fulfilled like he looks content you know he's just like you know what i'm just gonna lay my sexy ass down on these steps here (laughs) close my eyes (laughs) and uh flow on up to heaven Mm y'all uh loved it matt i had a uh similar reaction as you as far as you and last jedi and me and blade runner 2049 Oh, you rewatched it? I told you guys. Remember? Yeah, I remember. Yeah. I don't remember. I went from like a, I think three and or three and a half to a four and a half. Oh. It is a beautiful movie. And I do want to point out that when I saw Ghost in the Shell this year, I thought that was like, oh, you know, it's super cool visually. But like when you see Blade Runner 2049, you're like, okay, get fucked. Ghost it just takes Shell. a dump. It takes a <laughs> dump. Yeah, on like Ghost, Ghost in the Shell is basically a ripoff of the original Blade Runner. And then this one just like, expands but also does its own thing but in the Blade Runner universe and it just it just shows how good of a director Denny Villeneuve is versus whatever guy directed goes in the show <laughs> Rupert Sanders or I yeah, don't know it was Rupert Sanders. Oh, okay. and uh also Harrison Ford he's incredible in this movie he's the best good. he's been in in a long a long ass time he's, he's good. good he my only complaint about him is he didn't feel like uh, like Deckard, like the he didn't feel Deckard. like Deckard. He felt like Han Solo a little bit. I don't know. Maybe but it's just because I'm like seeing old Harrison Ford, and that's just what I associate. He's a with. curmudgeon, dude. He's such a curmudgeon. He's been living in that old fucking casino or whatever for yeah. like what thirty something. I know, years? but like young Deckard looked like he might just end it. You know, he just comes home. He was brooding. He's always wet, and he just drinks in his house or his apartment. He's still drinking. I guess it wasn't a mess, but <laughs> you didn't get the vibe that he spent a lot of time there, you know? And I just thought, this dude's just going to kill himself. <laughs> uh, but old Deckard's, like, got a dog or whatever he's got. Yeah, that's true. I don't know. And I think the other thing that's missing from the new one is uh, a Tears in the Rain speech. <laughs> I mean, how can you really live up to like maybe the one of the most <laughs> iconic like monologues? You can't, you like, can, but you have. I mean, you have to ask for it. <laughs> like it's not, it's it's a crime not. To I ask demand for tears it. in the rain. And they they did have something with um, 
with Jared Leto, but to be honest, I kind of tuned it out. And that's one of the main reasons I want to rewatch that movie is to re uh, rewatch that scene and dig into that content a little bit more, because I thought that was a really important movie or as part of the movie for defining basically the, the core questions of of the story. So I want to hear that again, but anyway, other than that, I second everything. So uh, what do we at? Number four, number four, Number four for me was three billboards. Uh, for me, this was an emotional heavy hitter. Francis McDormand was amazing. Um, the whole cast actually was was uh, pretty incredible. I love the just overarching theme of people who are outcasts or are um, uh, you know have assumptions made about them, whether that be Peter Dinklage's character or. Um, Sam Rockwell, uh, his performance also was tops. So that's all I'll say about it. But, um, I love this movie. Uh, real quick before we move on to the next pick, uh, Sam Rockwell's character in particular, he has also been a pain point for a lot of people because people view it as like a redemption arc mm. and they're upset that such a, a vile character would be redeemed. I didn't and I don't that. get that at all. I don't even get that for Francis McDormand's character. Yeah, no. Cause like what I like most about this movie is that nobody is perfect there. Everyone in this movie has like very critical character flaws, Yeah, but there still are redeeming aspects to them. Like, I feel like, you know, this is the year of outrage. Like people are, very knee jerk in their reactions and they see this guy who's a piece of shit and then he tries to make good by the end but he you know i don't think you're supposed to think he's a good person by no, the end I of thought it they were like holding hands on the way to hell or something yeah well i know but it's still just like there there is good and bad in everyone some are more bad than good some are more good than bad i think that's kind of the difference between you know i, I feel like francis mcdorm is probably more good than bad he is more bad than good, but it doesn't mean that you can't empathize with them and can't understand where they're coming from, you know? I mean, you empathize with everyone in this film. Every single character that you think you hate, you you begin to feel for in some capacity. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, hey, we can all be pieces of shit sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I have free license now. <laughs> <laughs> the, the ending of the movie, I think, is perfect. Uh-huh. Yeah, And great. them, you know, talking in the car, um, that doesn't spoil anything. And I also love this scene, probably in the middle of the movie, when John Hawks comes to Francis McDormand's house, and there's like comedy interjecting with this like super dramatic moment, like that, like just like shows he knows what he's doing making this movie. Yeah, and I th- I think the main issue that people have is they they think that he's like tone deaf, but I don't agree with that assessment. I loved it. But yeah. Star Wars is tone deaf. <laughs> My number four is The Big Sick. Mm. Uh, probably the best comedy of the year. Probably the best rom-com ever, if you want to categorize it as that. Um, it brings up a like a situation or a relationship that we may not all be familiar with or have to deal with as far as like going against tradition or your family's beliefs and, and being progressive about it and making those decisions on your own, like... You know, I, I respect your opinion, but, you know, this is the person I care about and I'm going to, you know, continue with it. And 
it's not formula. I mean, it is somewhat formulaic as far as like a rom-com goes, but like you can see the ending of most rom-coms from a mile away. And like you're, this movie is, I've said it before, I've used this word to describe other movies, but it's somewhat of a roller coaster as far as like the journey you go on with these characters. Um, I thought Ray Romano and Holly Hunter worked great as the parents of, I don't know her name in the movie. Is it Emily? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Sounds right. But yeah, uh, great movie. Uh, the 9-11 joke kills probably best <laughs> joke of the year. <laughs> and yeah, it was just super enjoyable. And I love Kamel Nanjiani. Um, I first started to love him watching Silicon Valley, and I was stoked to see him be in a leading role. And I can't wait to see what him or him and his wife do next. Yeah, uh, we had a couple different people actually send an email saying The Big Sick was their favorite film of the year. Uh, I'll read one of them here. Uh, So we received a submission from Jillian, and she actually included two picks. Uh, She said her favorite movie of 2017 was actually Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. Uh, She said, I thought it was a great sequel, which doesn't always happen, and it appeals to a wide range of audiences. Obviously, Chris Pratt and Zoe Saldana are dreamboats, but there is a lot to be said about their acting, too, since so much of the film was CGI. What I love most about this movie, though, is the way it portrays a, quote, friendship family. This is a great example to help younger viewers realize that people can love each other unconditionally through thick and thin without being blood related. Uh, She has some more to say about Guardians, but she also liked to include my other favorite movie of 2017 is The Big Sick. This movie was both funny and heart-touching. I love how it gave so much insight into his real life and what he and his wife went through during the beginning of their relationship. I'm sure that many people can relate to the mixing of cultures and the strain that can put on a couple, but that in conjunction with her illness, I can't even imagine the stress. On top of that, to be rejected as soon as she woke up would be near impossible to bear. It helps remind me that there are good people in the world that are willing to give up part of their happiness for someone else. And bad people in the world. (laughs) She goes on to say, uh, my favorite scene with him was when, uh, she's referring to Ray Romano, my favorite scene with him was when he was asking Kumail about 9-11. Kumail's response was pricelessly awkward. Overall, this movie totally tugged on my heartstrings while also providing some good laughs. This movie makes me want to know more about their lives and to go to one of Kumail's stand-up shows. Hope this helps. Uh, thanks, Jillian, for sending that in to us. Very well written. Good stuff. Mm. <laughs> uh, well, so would that bring us to our number three picks? Yep. Uh, perfect segue. The Big Sick. Number hey. three. Hey. Uh, we reviewed this uh, movie earlier in the year, and I I said on that episode, and I stand by it now, that this, to me, is a movie that I feel like I want to make like everything from the way it resonates emotionally to the comedy. Uh, it just feels like it just totally hits all those notes for me as far as like my own writing style, my own sense of humor. Uh, Kumail's performance is so like organic, mm-hmm. like comedians who play roles where they're trying to like ride the line between drama and comedy. Like it can feel forced but he just feels i mean part i'm sure part of it is because like this is his story you know so it's easy for him to kind of sink his teeth into it but he just comes across as like so genuine and so funny like his sense of humor i think this is the funniest movie of the year uh 
it made me laugh. It made me cry. I think both Kumail and Zoe Kazan are, are incredible in this movie. Uh, I absolutely adored it. Uh, let me read another email that we got regarding the big sick. Uh, this one came from uh, Amy, who is a, a dear friend of mine. Her email reads, my favorite movie of 2017 was The Big Sick, in parentheses, because Matt won't let me say The Florida Project. We uh, <laughs> had a conversation about that uh, over the holidays. I did not say she couldn't say it, but maybe I poo-pooed The Florida Project a little yeah. bit. I don't know. Were you mansplaining? No, I'm not a mansplainer. Oh, my God. <laughs> Am I? <laughs> Outrage 2017. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, I saw The Big Sick at the Nighthawk in Brooklyn, and before each film, they show a collection of clips from other movies and things that actors have been in. Uh, for The Big Sick, they played that scene in Funny People where Ray Romano gets called out by Eminem, which made me laugh so fucking hard. It was a great warm up for how much I would be laughing during this movie. I can't decide if The Big Sick is more hilarious or more heartfelt. Kumail Nanjiani has such an understated humor. His jokes would kind of catch me off guard and make them that much more funny. In parentheses, we lost 19 of our best guys. And his stupid decisions, i.e. the photographs, are so frustratingly understandable. I love the stand-up scenes. I'm a sucker for good stand-up in movies like 2014's Obvious Child. They even made me like Bo Burnham a little bit. Uh, I saw this movie with my partner, and I will always treasure the experience of laughing and crying alongside him during it. It's a truly special film, and I hope this isn't the last time Kumail and Emily V. Gordon collaborate on a screenplay. Thanks, Emmy, Amy, for sending that in to us. Um, I adore this movie. I'm a huge fan. I've seen it twice now. Absolutely loved it both times. I don't know about the Nighthawk, but it sounds super cool. Yeah. So, that's the big sick. Hmm. Didn't make it on my list, guys, but Ouch. it was a real close one. Ouch. I don't know why I didn't put it on. I we do have at least one more submission, and I say that because the well, person who wrote in is my significant other. <laughs> yeah, well, I, should I just read that now? Because now that we know it's not going to be on yeah. Tom's list, should we just get most a lot? With big this, Sick? We got three submissions for The Big Sick. Uh, this comes from Chelsea, who comes up comes up on the podcast from time to time she uh we are in her apartment she's my ladybird right now (laughs) (laughs) do you guys share the um the cultural struggles that kamel had with his wife yeah totally (laughs) that's why i resonated with it so much uh so here i'll read i'll try to read most of this um Chelsea says, hello, gang. My favorite movie from 2017 was The Big Sick. It had everything I look for in a movie. Charming storyline, romance, humor, great acting, and a bonus that it was based on a true story. Those always get me. I'm a huge fan of the main actor, Kumail Nanjiani, thanks to the HBO series Silicon Valley. I love his sarcastic and sometimes dry sense of humor, which worked well in the film as Zoe Kazan's character corresponded perfectly with this type of disposition this movie really stuck with me i remember leaving the theater and immediately thinking five stars two exclamation points favorite movie of the year by (laughs) far and i still have the same enthusiastic opinion as 2017 has come to a close so good um and then uh, let me just skim through this she also wanted to mention some love for uh stronger which is the jake gyllenhaal uh film that was uh david gordon green right yep uh i can't remember the last time a film made me feel the way that this one did as i left the theater it really moved me not just the incredibly inspiring story but also the acting by jake gyllenhaal 
Uh, If you haven't seen Stronger, go watch it ASAP. It's an emotional roller coaster, in parentheses, literally, Matt, that I can't wait to ride again. That was from Chelsea. Thanks for writing that in. Um, I think that was it for Big Six submissions. She's catching on to the roller coaster thing. Roller coaster, Mm. baby. The reveals. Yeah, the reveals and roller coasters. Top 10 reveals. (laughs) (laughs) Just you wait. Part two. Let's do a a best reveal of the year at the end of this podcast. All right, Tom, what's your number three? Uh, My number three is Killing of a Sacred Deer. Whoa. Yeah, baby. Trump is both. I put this movie (laughs) up here. And it's not my third highest rated, but I am so excited to rewatch this movie and I can't stop thinking about it. And even when I left, you know, I I mentioned earlier that I thought, oh, I for sure like the lobster better. And I I was thinking like four stars for this movie. And then I, I, you know, moved it up to a 4.5. But I I can't get it out of my head. (laughs) I don't know. It's so weird. It's so weird. And there are so many things going on. I feel like you could not watch this movie without picking up on on new uh, new ideas, new threads, new uh, imagery, whatever you, whatever it is you're you're keen in on. But um, uh, it was mainly the conversation that was sparked with the people I saw it with afterward that just I don't know really kind of made it a home run. Similar with the lobster, honestly, because after that I just couldn't couldn't not talk about it. Um, I think that's really worth something. So even though, you know, on the first watch, it wasn't a hundred percent for me. I got to give it, got to give it the number three slot. Hey, you bring up a good point. He does have very fresh ideas and they, you know, they're super original and they feel like his own when other people are kind of just copying each other. I mean, I can talk about Blade Runner sequels, John Wick sequels and Star Wars sequels for the same amount of time, but it's not the same as having, a completely uh, original scenario with a new, I mean, it's a similar universe. Like his, his vibe is, is the same, but the ideas are novel. So, well, I mean, I mean, in all fairness, it is apparently a retelling of a Greek mythology story. Okay. So it's not entirely okay. original, but I'll accept that. But I mean, it feels but, original watching it. Yeah, like, no, totally. There, there's added aspects of it that make I didn't it know the Greek story before i watched the movie yeah neither did i you didn't i'm kidding <laughs> no no one did <laughs> i was like oh man is travis about this i was like travis he's the one of the three of <laughs> us that knows a greek mythology story what? that's what i read every night before i go to bed just reading the fuck uh okay cool well My that turn. made all three of our lists huh yeah star wars did too right yeah, it was haunting. Oh, shit, haunting yes, haunting. Are we doing one. what we did last year, where we make a collective top five? Or nah. Like, okay, well, yeah. let's not bother. It's lame. No. Good <laughs> All right, my number three is Good Time. Oh, is I thought gets, that was gonna be number two. This is where it gets interesting, boys. Oh my god. <laughs> so Good Time. First of all, the soundtrack is incredible by One O Tricks Point Never. Um, it's probably one of my favorite soundtracks of all time. It just, oh, Jesus, dude, it just, I don't know. It just, it has that sound that I love, like the whole like synthy, you know, like eighties style, but like, it's just so energetic and just adds so much to the movie. Like I can't imagine this movie without the score. No way. Um, it's too chaotic. 
Yeah, and speaking of chaotic, this movie is an adrenaline rush. I know you guys say it dips a little in the middle, but the whole time I was just like on the edge of my seat. The the twist in the middle, I didn't see it coming the first time, and when it's revealed, I was just like, "What the fuck!" Like I just loved the like crazy one night journey that you go on with. Robert Pattinson and all the other people he gets involved with over this night. Speaking of Robert Pattinson performance. Yeah. I mean, he's incredible. He's a revelation. <laughs> uh, I've almost said revelation about six times. Already. <laughs> One of the best performances of the year. Um, I love the way the movie was bookended. Like the opening scene is very unsettling, but it brings you right into the movie. And then the ending I still haven't quite made sense of everything that's going on in the movie, like what it's trying to say, but I do feel like there is something there. I mean, obviously there's like a commentary on possibly like racism or white privilege or maybe even like capitalism because like Robert Pattinson takes advantage of everyone he comes into contact with. Um, It, I think resources for the poor too. Yeah. I mean, yeah, there's a lot of like social commentary on this movie. Um, but like, there's just such good scenes. Like the heist itself is super intense. It's it's low budget, but like the way they do it is just as good as any other action movie. Uh, the die bombs in the car, like my jaw was fucking wide open. <laughs> I mean, just like, the amusement park scene. It's like that's just such a cool setting to have a scene take place. Um, I don't know. You guys know I fucking love this movie, and yeah. I love yeah. the way it's shot. It's gritty. It gritty, yes. One of the best words to describe. What's a movie. Uh, <laughs> I don't remember which softy brother it is. Ben, Benny, Benny. Benny. But his performance is also uh, pretty remarkable. Yeah, and noteworthy. And people have criticized this movie for not being like they didn't. You know, we, they didn't cast like a, a special needs person. Outrage. To, yeah, but at no. least he did it. The director did it. It's not like they cast an actor who is not handicapped to play that yeah. role. Yeah, but know? he does such a good job. I feel like you can't discredit it. Like, sure, he they could have went that route, but they didn't. And I listened to a bunch of interviews of these directors after, and um, they basically they didn't want to put some. This is their reasoning for why they didn't cast. Um, someone who's mentally handicapped yeah because the way they shot it was so like chaotic and they're kind of like guerrilla filmmakers they just you know shoot on the go they're in like brooklyn or somewhere in new york and they didn't want to put someone like that through that because that would be super like intense or like traumatizing for them like they can't handle that and the end scene is with a bunch of like you know handicapped people and um the way they did it was they didn't tell those people that he was like not handicapped himself. So like they try to keep it like organic and they bought it obviously. Um, But yeah, it's one of my favorite movies of the year. It's incredible. And I can't see what they do next, which is going to be the 48 hours remake supposedly. Oh God. Yeah. I don't know how I feel about that. Yeah. I would rather see them do something original, but Charlie Murphy, Charlie Murphy, Eddie Murphy, (laughs) Charlie Murphy. (laughs) Uh, It's the Eddie Murphy movie. And uh, who's the other guy in it? Uh, it Nick Nick Nolte. Nolte, Yeah. Yeah. It's like a buddy cop. Charlie Um, Murphy. Uh, real quick, before we get into the number two picks, uh, there was actually a, a late submission uh, for Get Out that I forgot to read. Uh, this submission comes from uh, Brandon. He wrote us, uh, my favorite movie of the year was Get Out. 
Jordan Peele gave us the perfect mix of horror, mystery, and comedy, culminating in a super satisfying ending. Without getting into spoilers, I would highly recommend seeing this movie twice, as you will pick up on so many hints and other pieces of the puzzle scattered throughout that you missed the first time around. See this movie. Thanks, Brandon, for writing in. All right. Number two. You guys ready? Yep. Yas. It's Mother. Mother! Exclamation point, baby. Hmm. Uh, This was my number one film of the year for ever since I saw it up until about a week ago. Uh, I seeing this movie in the theater was like one of the most like insane experiences I've ever had. Like it was one of those things where I stepped out and I was just emotionally numb. Like I was so overwhelmed by what this movie did. Uh, I love that, like, on the surface, it seems like it's very heavy-handed with its its biblical metaphors, but there's also just so many different ways you can interpret it. Like, Darren o- Aronofsky, has, Aronofsky has come out and said that it's, uh, it's a movie about global warming, and that's just lame as fuck. Like, I don't, I don't like that reading of the film. I don't mm-hmm. care if that's, like, what he intended. Like, and that's part of why I think this movie has stimulated so much conversation, because you can view it, and it's so uh aggressive and stylized and kind of obtuse uh the performances in this movie are great i really think it's a shame that people aren't giving jennifer lawrence more credit for her performance in this movie yeah that's she's true. not in any of the awards I, any talks. Really of it. I know i you know and just in general i wish this movie had gotten slightly more acclaim because yeah I think it's just alienated. It's very everyone. polarizing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. no, it came out at the wrong time of year too. Like kind of this weird middle ground. Like, well, it was like summer leading, release. <laughs> well, no, it was September. Oh, it okay. was like the beginning of Oscar season. You know, like it starts to to pick up steam. <laughs> it was when everybody was actually fall. watching it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, listen to the episode that we did on this for our my like my detailed thoughts. But I, this yeah. is one of my favorite movies i've ever seen like the theater going experience was like i was so overwhelmed by the end of it i was i felt numb uh i I, I can't i can't numb in a good way though yeah no totally also described dunkirk as yes that was in a bad way yeah (laughs) that was i've become so numb (laughs) (laughs) um yeah, I can't wait to see this movie again. I'm definitely going to buy the Blu-ray. I'm a huge Darren Aronofsky fanboy. He did not disappoint me. Javier Bardem is incredible in this. The whole last act of this movie is just fucking bonkers. It's crazy. Love okay, it. I'll give you that. Um, this is a movie that I appreciate more than I enjoy. Yeah. I can I can see why people love it. And I, I like movies that generate discussion because it just makes movies more fun um but i did not enjoy watching it at all and (laughs) it was not what i was expecting which most people probably feel that way (laughs) yeah i mean i liked parts of it but on the whole i'm the same way i i think um like you were saying there's multiple ways that you can interpret it uh which normally is appealing to me but in this case was more of like it just felt like it didn't didn't hit its mark didn't hit the sweet it's spot. Too, too challenging for me. It was. I mean, I know a lot of people. There were any cars in this movie? <laughs> bullshit. I know a lot of people who uh, who saw this movie who are really intellectual and who like movies for uh, kind of 
challenging ideas or or whatever but they were mainly just repulsed yeah <laughs> this movie is not easy to watch on any level um so i think in in some respects darren aronofsky could have benefited himself and the movie and the viewer a little bit by making some things either slightly more accessible or slightly less i don't, I don't want to i don't know i hate to say that they should anybody should pull back the reins on their on their artistic direction but um i don't know maybe it was just a little bit too much or something however all that being said I really, really want to rewatch it. It's one of my top two, probably from from 2017, that I want to see a second time. He made a statement with it. Yeah, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah, uncompromising vision for sure. There will probably never be another big studio movie like this. Like it was a huge bomb. The fact that it even like opened wide, like this movie played in so many theaters. Yeah. Like well, I don't know what the fuck serious they were star thinking. power. With, yeah, with J Law. I yeah, that's like probably. Half the reason why it was greenlit was because he got Jennifer Lawrence to agree to be. Yeah, totally. <laughs> um, yeah, I absolutely love it. I cannot wait to rewatch it. Um, Let's do a rewatch together. Different strokes yeah. for different folks, Matt. Glad you loved it. Thanks, I did Dad. not. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Numero dos. Numero dos. Well, I, I know what it is. Uh, I don't know why I'm looking at my list. Call me by your name. Oh. So, so glad I caught up with this movie. Um, it is actually, this is actually my, my emotional heavy hitter of the year. A roller coaster, some might say. <laughs> not a roller coaster. <laughs> no, not a roller coaster. It is a, um, slow is the wrong word. That's true. It's actually not a roller coaster. It's more of like a, uh, what's it's a, a steady ride? incline <laughs> with some crazy shit at the end. Um, Teacups? W- no. <laughs> some teacups at the end yeah uh sure sorry to throw you off go ahead i wanted to live in this movie um endless summer right beautiful countryside the score is gorgeous Uh, timothy chalamet is a revelation (laughs) yes yeah he, he he really was spectacular and so much you like you mentioned i think when we were talking about this so much range he captures that 17 year old like beyond his years type of character who's also struggling with really uh just really quintessential tale as old as time emotions of of a young person um the fact that this movie felt like a just a relationship and not a explicitly or overtly gay relationship um was was super well done and then of course there's the the moment with the father character which is unbeatable i mean we we fucking told you didn't we not yeah (laughs) you you can't you can't do better than that i didn't know what to think when that scene started i didn't know where it was going um but the way it just all unfolds adds so much to what you'd already seen and like to I don't know, just encapsulates his whole experience and the way that he decides to live his life going forward. Uh, And they're not super explicit about that either. We already talked about how perfect the ending is. Did you feel the same way as us as far as like teetering on a 4.5 and then the last 20 minutes you're like, holy fuck, this is a five-star movie? (laughs) I didn't know what I I was thinking. Uh, I I, I was 
thinking of that because yeah, I remember you, you talking about that. So I was waiting for the scene where they spoke to each other. Um, but even before that, I just felt like it was so beautifully done and so well handled and so nuanced. And uh, like there's a scene where um, Timothy Chalamet is with a girl. Uh, you know, and they're fooling around a little bit or whatever. And then afterward, he has this just like blissful expression on his face. And you know that it's not just, oh, okay, you know, that felt good or something. But there's something deeper going on, which is like, uh, maybe I don't have to think about these things that are making my life hard. Maybe I can just be into girls <laughs> for the rest of my life or something. <laughs> um, I, I don't know. It, it, uh, it was... I, I want to say it's the best movie of the year, but it wasn't my number one. Shit. All right. Suspense. My number two, Dunkirk. Whoa! Oh, talk shit. about reviews, bitches! <laughs> What's my number one? <laughs> hang up. <laughs> uh, Dunkirk and Good Time, they were flip-flopping between one and two the entire year. Probably the two best experience I had in the theater. I always go to the theater to be entertained, and these movies entertained the fuck out of me. Like, so intense. Um, Dunkirk is just this huge spectacle. It, I, I hate the argument that there's no character development because, to me, movies can be different things, and not every movie has to have character development or follow the same beats. This movie is doing something else, and you can clearly tell it's doing something else while you're fucking watching the movie. <laughs> That's the, fair. The dogfights in IMAX, I mean, do I need to say anything else? Well, from and That was the, the most underwhelming part of the movie for me was those dogfights. But, dude, just, like, think about it. Like, the technicality, like, those shots. Like, where have you ever seen a shot like that? Whoa, like, whoop de doo He strapped a camera onto a an plane. An IMAX camera, fucking... Matt. An IMAX camera. <laughs> I mean, from the front row, uh, far right seat. I hate that, I that you <laughs> sat there, and it drives me crazy for you. Movie's a fucking dumpster fire. It's not, but... Um, no, it's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> there are certain scenes that just make you like fully immersed, like the uh, target practice scene, uh, when the bombs are like coming towards the screen. Like It really That's one of the best scenes feels the like the bombs are coming at you. Like I love war movies. I love Christopher Nolan. I don't know. This I movie was just so <laughs> so entertaining from start to finish. I was just like, I felt like a little kid in the theater watching this movie. Yeah. And like, I can't stress enough how important it was to see this in the intended format. Three times. I don't know. I, I, need it, <laughs> I, I need it at home, actually. In not the scene that I that I experienced it. Yeah, I want to see a bootleg version on my phone. That's what I want. That's, yeah. But just threw up in my mouth. A <laughs> Speaking of nitpick things that people should just let go, but I can't let go. Tom Hardy. Why did you have to go down with the ship? I don't. I also hate stupid. that. Stupid. Stupid. Who cares? I, I mean, also... it's a more beautiful scene, but set it up so that he has to do it. Just make a put in some sort of mechanic yeah, where he has to. Be do so it. easy. And also, I don't like that the movie doesn't end with the image of the like the plane on fire because it goes back to like they're on the the train, right? Doesn't it end yeah. with him biting into an apple, like the the, the soldier on the train? No, because they get back to town and like 
people criticize them when they like get off the train and well, I think it's what? I think they got celebrated when they got off yeah. the train. They get celebrated, but then like there's another guy who like says something shitty to them and then one of the guys is like, Fuck that guy, don't worry about it. Wait, really? Yeah. I don't remember that at all. Yeah, me neither. I was I was probably already checked out by that point, so <laughs> And people say it's like too emotional or you know it's trying to like pull at your heartstrings but like the shot that like pans towards all the like civilian boats coming towards them to like you know save the day like that just like brings the whole movie together should have been just like it's so patriotic i don't know i i love dunkirk anyone who else who doesn't like it can just get fucked (laughs) that's all i have to say there should have been another time element that let yeah. us have the train ride back and then we go back and we see Tom Hardy landing the plane. <laughs> oh, yeah. I didn't even bring that up, but the, the way he deals with time and the three storylines I thought was really interesting and well done. I think without that, the movie would have been pretty, pretty unremarkable. Mm, I don't know about that, but maybe not as amazing as it was. It has to come together <laughs> with all three storylines. Yeah good shit all right have we arrived we have <clears throat> the fun i think i've i think i can guess it but i don't want to like steal your thunder so go ahead matt number one film of the year it's call me call by, me your, by name. your name <laughs> uh this movie i i can't stop thinking about it i have been dreaming about this movie i have been listening to the sofian steven songs over and mm. over again this movie came into my life at a very uh stressful and uh emotionally um intense period in my life and this movie has been it, it has meant so much to me like i have been able to like look back on it and appreciate how like beautiful the love is how bittersweet the end like you know the 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 ending of the film is I just, in, in retrospect, like, looking back on what this movie does as far as, like, the the dance these two characters play, as far as, like, the, the, the signals that they're sending to each other, and one of them doesn't pick up on it, and then the other one sends the, you know, reaches out, and they get denied, you know, it's just this, like, dance flirting with each other until finally it turns into this just, like, incredibly intense, passionate love affair, and it's just so beautiful, and, like has brought so much like joy into my life and uh, it has like touched me on like a level that a movie hasn't in a long time. Like I think about that ending scene of, uh, well, I won't spoil it, but the very end, you know, the, the credits rolling, just like, I like, I think about that and I want to cry, you know, it's just like, I, I, re- I think of myself like in that theater seat and watching him and just thinking about like what is going through his head in that moment. And then me wanting to cry, you know, it's just like, as you guys know, I'm a very emotional movie watcher and I like how, what kind of emotions a movie can elicit from me. It plays a big factor and there, there's no movie this year or in like many years that has like hit me on such a personal level that it was just so touching to me and, and gorgeous. And I just, I absolutely adore this movie and I I encourage anyone who hasn't seen it 
to go see it because it this movie has helped me through some of the things that I've been going through in the past couple of weeks and I, I can't thank it enough for for doing that for me and I will sing this movie's praise from the mountaintops like I fucking love it. It was mother for months and months and months up until like a week ago and I was just like, you know what? Like I can't stop thinking about this movie. It's gotta be number one. I had it at like four or five, you know, and then it's got a real elegance to it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Matt, I totally fucked the order of your list, but I did get six out of ten right. Is that you, pretty good? Well, that's what I would have. Did you get any you in the correct spot? No. Oh man, you came short. Matt of Matt threw me for a loop, man. <laughs> <laughs> Three more of those, and you would have won. I know. Been some sort of prize. I wasn't expecting. So, can I tell you which ones I had on the list that? Yeah, yeah. So what? Okay. And so, I'll tell you where they ended up on my list. So Coco. Fascinating. Coco, number 12. Shape of Water. 13. Fuck. See, I'm close. Book of Henry. Four, I had it at number 14. 10. God. <laughs> makes me so mad. I thought that would be on for sure. Um, I think that's... Wait, was that only three? That was only three, yeah. Valerian. Oh, maybe I got seven right. One, two. You got the first three wrong. Were you right from there? Yeah. Cool. Rock on, baby. Right. I got 7 out of 10. That's pretty good. Still pretty good, but you seem pretty confident you were going to get but like 9 or 10. The other, the other three that I guessed were in your like 11 through 15, so mm-hmm. pretty good. Yeah. Well, I mean, that was that was 12, 13, 14 right there. Nailed it. You, you want to guess what 11 was? <laughs> no. It's on that list. Oh. Uh, wait, on my list? On the list you did for me, your, your mock list. I thought we talked about them all. I, I, One of the I'm movies lost. that you just say it. It comes at night. Oh, on my my list that you made. Yeah, for me. Oh no, I didn't put it on. You didn't put my, it on that list. Oh, I thought you did. <laughs> I thought I did. Oh, but I didn't. Well, anyway. we talked about this. Sorry, I don't know. Where... These rolling rocks are rolling through me. <laughs> yeah, Keep rolling, 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 rolling. <laughs> Whoop! All right, Tom, let's hear it. Well, you guys already know what it is. I don't. I don't either. Really? <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. It's it's Blade Runner twenty forty nine. Oh, you were talking about it yeah. earlier, like you were like, oh man. Yeah, you did kind of downplay it. Oh no, 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 yeah, yeah. I thought for sure, like barely no, missed no, your no, list. Did you do I that on purpose? About it. No, I didn't. I didn't do it on purpose. I just. I don't know. I don't want to. I don't want to Hold say that I think that this is legitimately. Or I mean, it could be the best movie of the year sure it's it my favorite? favorite movie okay, yeah. it's well, my top matters, it's my Tom. best movie of the year but if someone were to say and i said this as soon as i saw call me by your name if someone were to say that was the best movie of the year i would not argue it you know like but anyway uh calm or uh blade runner 2049 <laughs> call me by your blade it's runner. all been said <laughs> i love the score even though i know you guys weren't like uh off the charts with it I liked it a lot. I don't think it's as good as the original. Um, what's the fucking Vangelis, composer's name? Or... Yeah, Vangelis. Yeah. Mm. I who who did it? The new one? Hans Zimmer. Yeah. Okay. It was, uh, wasn't it Johan Johansson? Right? Yeah. He got replaced? Yeah. Yeah. Hans Zimmer came in. Fucking jobber. Came yeah. in. <laughs> redid the whole thing. Um, uh, it's 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 effective. It's just, I don't know, not as memorable. Well, and it, it kind of borrows like one of the main themes from the original. Which, I mean, that's what you would expect. That's yeah. not really the issue I have with it. It's no. Just, yeah. 
and it's, it's good. It's good. It's yeah, great. the score is great. Well, this movie is the best movie uh, looking movie of the year. Uh, every scene, every shot is is uh, like a still a still shot worthy of framing and or of a desktop ba- background at least. My desktop at work. You know that scene uh, where he's standing in front of the hologram of Joy, like yes. the, the big version. Yes. That's my my work yeah. desktop. Yeah, I've looked through all of them, waiting for the right one to pop up. But I think we need it to come out on a DVD before more. Get some of those high res. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, I need some high res stuff. Um, but uh, I'm gonna go back to this movie over and over again. I'll never stop watching it. Uh, I know that. Well, I feel like it's missing maybe um, an elite performance, but that's also not really what the movie's about. So it doesn't bother me that it's not in there. It's very well rounded, though. Oh, totally. None of the not all the performances are good, Uh, good to very good. I would say, dude, Dave Bautista, he's (laughs) great in this. Dude, his two minutes are amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, actually, rewatching Guardians of the Galaxy two just made me want to watch Blade Runner so much. Yeah, it's just like I gotta see Angry Dave. Um. Yeah, I, I I love these movies that are sort of um, existential and you know get the get the gears grinding. So that's my number one, Blade Runner twenty forty nine. All right. Oh, uh, and we you... need Denny to do a Dune film. That is, that's, that's what he's doing. Is it confirmed? I think. I so. think so. Yeah. Oh gosh. Okay, so. I know what it is now. I didn't think it Did would I, be so high on your list, but I had to. I know what it is. Do you I know? I don't know. So I sent Matt a text last night, and I said PTA just took a shotgun oh, yeah. to my top ten. <laughs> and at that point, I didn't realize. Well, yeah, I didn't really necessarily want to put it at my number one, but I feel like this is the best movie of the year. Phantom Thread is my number one. And the reason I feel that is I connected to this on a personal level in kind of a weird way, and I'll get into that in a minute. Um, But this was, so this is supposedly Daniel Day-Lewis's last movie, and what a perfect swan song for him. Like, we haven't said, we haven't used this word yet, but this movie is a masterpiece. Like, Matt said there's not a lot going on, but at the same time, there's so much going on. No, see, I don't know if I said there's not a lot going on. As far as like but... plot goes, but like underneath the surface, there's so much going on yeah, in this totally. movie. And I mean, of course, it's Paul Thomas Anderson. He's a film god. Everyone Worships praises him. him. Yes. Um, but as far as it hitting me on a personal level, so Daniel Day-Lewis's character is very set in his ways. He's very selfish with his time. And I can relate to that in a, in a weird way. And like his relationship with, um, I don't know her name. Yeah. I, it's a weird name too, but probably call her by my name. (laughs) Uh, I can compare their relationship to Chelsea and Iris relationship or my relationship with anyone, I guess. Um, just the way I am and not necessarily like saying that's a, good thing it's probably a bad thing the way that i am and it just made me like think about myself and like how i am as a person and it just like really got me thinking yes like last night and i like came home and like was listening to a bunch of like classical like symphony type music like it just i don't know it just blew me away and i wasn't expecting it like a 1950 set movie about like a guy who makes dresses 
come on that is not my movie <laughs> but this movie totally fucking worked for me um it's but yeah like it's just some of the weird things that he does as a character is like just like me like there's this scene at breakfast where she's buttering her toast and she's she's not being loud she's literally just buttering her toast but he like gets so annoyed and like disturbed by it because he's focusing on his work and like i can't necessarily relate to like the whole like artistic like work aspect of it but like just the way he is about like his life and his time and just like the way he wants to do things um there's a scene where she wants to go out dancing for new year's eve and he's basically like have fun i'm gonna be here at home and like i've done that to chelsea before pretty sure you did it on new year's no not on new year's (laughs) eve but (laughs) other nights where i'm just i'm just not feeling it and there's not even going to be a conversation about it. You're not going to convince me. I'm not doing it. I'm I'm very set in my ways, and I I, I can be very selfish at times, like with with myself. Um, and it also gets into like him like never being satisfied or fulfilled in life. Like he's like a perfectionist, and I can deal with that like on a personal level myself. I feel like I I'm like never satisfied. Like it's I'm not trying to get like too deep or emotional, but like it's hard to like find happiness in certain things. And like when you do, it's like an amazing feeling, but then you go back to living your normal life and it's just like, you know, whatever. Um, let's see here. I took a couple notes. <laughs> um, uh, I, I love the way the movie shot. Like it, it looks incredible. It's very like classically shot. Um, there's a couple scenes where, He's driving a car around, and of course, I love the scenes of him driving his car. But the way the way it looks is so cool, and the way the camera moves with the car, it just like looks super cool. Um, I already talked about the music. Um, yeah, I just saw this last night, so I'm still unpacking it. But I feel like I had to put this at number one just because I can just see this being one of my favorite movies down the road, and. Um, it also gets into like mommy issues a bit, like how he like has trouble loving people because of his relationship with his mom. And you don't get a lot of like backstory about him and his mom. So like, I'd love to watch it again and, you know, get more into that. But like, prequel. no, no prequel with Barry. Um, <laughs> but yeah, this totally worked for me. It deserves all the praise. It's incredible. I had it earlier today. I had it at number three, but I had to move it behind. Nah, I thought we were going to fucking do it again. Synergy, like <laughs> number one, baby. just like La La Land last year. Uh, I like, I considered it like I, like what I did is like, I went top to bottom and I was just like Phantom Threat number one. How does that feel? You know, I just kind of let it sit. And then like number two, how does that feel? I had it at number three, but then like. I, I feel like as much as I love this movie, like there's the recency effect. Like mm. I saw it, like I was watching the movie 24 hours ago. Like we were in it I, right now. I dealt with that myself too. And I did, I thought about it. And this is one that like on rewatches, I think can only go up. Like I don't see how it can go down. I feel like there's only more I can come to appreciate with it. Mm. So that's part of the reason why it, you know, 
made, oh, definitely made it on my list, but just not not quite I'm so there. excited. You, I'm just as surprised as you guys like that it's my number one. I I <laughs> thought for sure it was gonna be like around where I put it, like five yeah. or six, like because I know you expressed that you were we were really into it, it like resonated with you, but, dude. I thought you yeah. were gonna hate Phantom Thread, and no, I know. So, so did I. I mean, last episode I said it's not making my list. It, there's no room for it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but there are a couple more points I want to make. Um, he's like kind of a man child, and like. He, uh, where was that going? <laughs> <laughs> We've all had like What's three that or four rolling. Scratch that? <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, there's also uh, I. So I t- we talked about this briefly in the car on the way home. Um, but there's this line in the movie where he talks about like it kind of sounds like fashion's going in a new direction, and someone labels a dress as chic and. Daniel Day-Lewis's character is not having it. He fucking hates that word. And I almost feel like that's like him talking about like newer filmmakers or even like going film or digital versus film because he's still like making classic looking movies. He's still shooting on film. Um, We didn't, we we brought this scene up in the car, but Matt said like the best shot of the movie was uh, him sitting in this chair and there's like this, ginormous mountain that like takes up the entire whole screen but what's so cool about that is it starts snowing and then there's a dissolve and it it fades into the scene of them walking down the stairs and it's like set during christmas so there's like snow falling as they're walking down the stairs set during christmas that's like the coolest transition i've ever seen in a movie i mean it's i thought i was gonna say this on christmas it's masterful like like yeah it's i don't know it's just it was amazing and it, it blew me away. Uh, and it's also really funny. Like I wasn't expecting to laugh how much I was. He and was fucking dying. I think probably because he could relate. To certain it. parts, I was like laughing by myself. Like he, uh, <laughs> the buttered toast scene. Butter well, toast, well, everyone was. That was pretty funny. Like, so she. At that. There's one point when like they're. Uh, don't give too much away. All right. Yeah, that's yeah, true. Yeah, yeah. But she's like eating cereal and she like clanks her teeth. This guy's got some audio on stuff her going spoon, on. and like. Chelsea does that with her fork and it drives me fucking nuts. (laughs) And like, it just like plays into the whole, like, it's not a big deal. It's not that big of a disturbance, but like the more you focus on it, the more it is a disturbance. And like, you just like, that's all you can think about is that person like eating next to you and it shouldn't bother you, but it does. Yeah. It's, it's neurotic behavior. (laughs) Yeah. Um, yeah. Number one. Cool. (laughs) I'm convinced. Yeah, you're gonna you're gonna love it, Tom. I'm so prepared to boot off a couple movies. <laughs> I'm gonna make, I'm gonna give this movie two spots. Uh, okay, we did it, guys. Yeah, that was the top ten films of the year. Uh, real quick, if you guys want to pull your lists up, let's just go like ten through one, real quick. Each of us recap. Yeah, recap. Uh, my number ten. My list went Wonderstruck at ten. The last Star Wars: The Last Jedi. John Wick Chapter Two. The Killing of a Sacred Deer. Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. Phantom Thread at number five. Blade Runner 2049. The Big Sick at number three. Mother and Call Me By Your Name was my top ten. Alrighty. I had Thor, John Wick Chapter 2, Coco, Star Wars, Get Out, Lady Bird, Three Billboards, Killing of a Sacred Deer at three, Call Me By Your Name, and Blade Runner 2049, number 
All Real right. quick before you do your list, I do think it's interesting that like Get Out and Lady Bird are arguably like the two most imp- quote unquote important films of the year. I don't think either of those were on either of our lists, huh? No. Yeah. You guys are just so anti-establishment. Fuck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. It's not fair when Christopher Nolan and Paul Thomas Anderson make a movie in the same year. Yeah, dude. What the <laughs> fuck? <laughs> Denny Villeneuve. Yeah. Darren Aronofsky, I know you didn't, that yeah. didn't resonate with you, but like, lots of heavy hitters this year. Okay, so my top 10 from the bottom, A War for the Planet of the Apes, It Comes at Night, Star Wars The Last Jedi, Call Me By Your Name, The Killing of a Sacred Deer, I, Tonya, The Big Sick, Good Time, Dunkirk, and Phantom Thread. We had a lot of... Cro- How many picks did you say we would have overlapping? I feel like we had I a lot. I said five, but we had... Five. Oh, so we did have five. Yeah. Hmm. You guys want to hear Andrew's top ten? Late yeah. Submission? He, uh, yeah. Sure. All right. I'm gonna do them ten to one. Number ten, Baby Driver. Didn't get any love from us. <sighs> that was number eleven. I thought me. it was gonna be on your list. Yeah. Is that with Phantom, Phantom Thread bumped off? <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. I I made a con- real quick. I made a comment that like I was having trouble with my list before I saw Phantom Thread, and then I thought Phantom Thread was going to make it even more difficult. But once I slid Phantom Thread into number one, it all just made sense. Oh, and got Baby it. Driver dropped to number 11. I was like, you know what? Baby Driver was really fun, really entertaining, but the story is like so familiar and... It's not really doing anything new. Like, sure, like the soundtrack thing is cool, but like it's stylized. Yeah, for sure, it's distinct in its and style. But it's cool, like how it uses like practical effects and like the car scenes are sweet. But like, I've seen that movie before. Yeah, sure. Yeah, to an extent, but you know, still really good movie, really fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like a lot. Um, number nine, Shape of Water. That was a good movie. I really wish I could have squeezed it onto my list. I, loved I thought it. for sure you were going to have it. I on wish there. I could have liked it a little bit more. Me too. <laughs> it was missing something, but it, it was, was still a great. It's hard movie. to put your finger on what, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah, totally, totally. I think, I think it is. There's something just instantly familiar about it. Um, it's gorgeous, but uh, Meyerowitz stories was his number eight. Ooh, you guys like that, right? Yeah, it was I good. Liked it, yeah. yeah, I didn't get through the first act <laughs> but i'm Classic sure i would have liked you guys everybody who saw it said i would have liked the rest of it more but yeah it, it gets yeah. better as it goes on it wouldn't have been in your top 10 but yeah you would no. like that. uh dunkirk number seven hell yeah is mm. this andrew mm-hmm. andrew you rock <laughs> uh andrew <laughs> needs to come on the show sometime soon as the au contrarian yeah hey, totally. <laughs> he likes dunkirk he's welcome <laughs> uh we got big sick at number six. Oh, by the way he said this is off the top of his head so he does have some leeway here oh, that's uh, uh number five is ladybird number four get out number three blade runner number two call me by your name that's the appropriate place for it <laughs> and number one three billboards he was crazy for that movie oh nice wow. This isn't the dark comedy guy, right? It is the dark oh, comedy it is. guy, yeah. Oh, so he loved it, but he just doesn't believe it's... No, no, no. He believes it's dark comedy. Oh, okay. <laughs> we got into this ridiculous <laughs> argument about how I feel like it's a, a drama with with dark comedy in it, but I wouldn't define it as dark comedy. Yeah. And then he said that I'm misconstruing dark comedy with absurdist dark comedy and then he called me a coward because there's a <laughs> <'cause>, <laughs> you fucking there's a difference like that's just like a different level of dark comedy 
I don't know. It's a stupid, stupid argument, but um, whatever. Maybe our listeners have strong opinions on it. Um, Oh, he also provided his top two disappointments of the year. Ooh, let's hear it. Okay, Kingsman, The Golden Circle. Yeah, that was pretty disappointing. Align with that. That was. You did hate that. It was garbage. (laughs) It was hot dog shit. Dog garbage. Dog garbage. (laughs) Hot dog garbage. Shit covered dog garbage. It was really, really bad. I still like no, it. you didn't. It was, uh, I give it like a three and a half. Yeah, I think. it was. No, it it was watchable, good. but yeah, it was definitely a step down or big step two down. or three from. The it fell first down one. stairs, but like picked yourself back up and <laughs> climbed a couple. Yeah, and, yeah. <laughs> I was checked out from the opening moments. That's the best part of the movie. No. Yeah. Okay. No. It, yeah. During the Prince song. Come on. Anyway, uh, the other... It wasn't as well done. You know, I no, could tell instantly. I'm like, they don't have it. They haven't recaptured the magic. That's fair. Yeah. Oh, wasn't that the movie where you went to the bathroom and you're like, should I go back? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, it was. I don't have tolerance for bad movies the way that you, you guys do. You felt obligated, though. Or like mediocre to... movies. I just can't do it. Yeah. No, I get you. I mean, there's there's too many movies out there to be watching Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I'm like Daniel Day Lewis in Phantom Thread, you know. Oh my gosh. High standards. <laughs> okay. Uh, his other one was Logan Lucky. I didn't see that, but you guys hated it. Yeah. No. What? what? No, we didn't hate we it. We liked it a lot. <laughs> you liked it? Yeah. Logan Lucky was great. Oh, yeah. you're kidding. No, it, it, I thought you hated it. No. What? No. I would say it's it's really good. It's entertaining. I didn't love it, but yeah. Not not much as it like bad to say about it, but mm-hmm. like it wasn't amazing. You know, top ten, twenty oh. of the year type movie somebody else definitely told me that it was terrible i thought they could have done more with the setting and like maybe had a little bit more fun with the whole like heist at the like nascar arena but it was still good Hmm. oh fuck i forgot to add this movie to my like list logan lucky yeah it's not here that's a problem with letting them sit for a couple of days yeah you got to do it immediately uh here Judgment Call, where would it fit in? I'm looking at this. Logan Lucky. I would definitely below squeeze it in. Definitely below Wonder Woman. Right at... What, wait, what movie were we talking about again? Logan Lucky. It needs to be below Wonder Woman. Uh, 35. I said 37. It would be in between... Big it would be in between The Lost City of Z and A Ghost Story. Which is above Wonder Woman. That's probably Wonder Woman is thirty seven. Wonder Woman is one of my honorable mentions of the year. Well, we'll get to that. Um couldn't have two superhero movies on your list, Tom. It would have been Spider Man Homecoming. That's the other one. It's the best. Maybe. I don't remember it well enough. I want to rewatch I it. I bought the blue good times. Let's watch it. Okay. Uh okay. So we're gonna take a quick break. Uh when we come back, we are there's a couple other uh listener submissions that we got so we're gonna go over those we'll go over our honorable mentions 11 through 100 11 through 100 let's fucking do it baby (laughs) uh we'll get into some other stuff though so uh we'll be back shortly
Okay, and we're back. So uh, before we get into uh, more, a couple more discussion topics, uh, there's a few other submissions that we got from listeners that I would like to read. Uh, we received an email, uh, and it's a long one, so I'm gonna I'm gonna skim. But we received a submission from Jacob. Jacob says, "Hey guys, my favorite movie of 2017 was Beatrice at Dinner." Though the big sick very nearly stole the show. Beatrice at Dinner was able to produce what was, in my opinion, the perfect combination of comedy and drama without letting the comedy take away the overall seriousness of the film's message. The star-studded cast was a big contributor to how good the film was. John Lithgow, Connie Britton, Salma Hayek, Chloe Sevigny. How could you fail? Uh, Selma Hayek did so great at slipping humor into the most serious of moments in the movie, while also making the viewer really understand how Beatrice feels when confronted with John Lithgow's misogynistic, money-hungry character who has negatively affected Beatrice's home village. Speaking of John Lithgow, wow, this man really was able to keep you hanging off your seat wondering what he was going to do or say next, or how he would react to Beatrice's constant questioning of his business. He also made it hard to hate his character as he explained why he did what he did. Uh, Connie Britton really portrayed the horrible dilemma that her character had been put in and the confusion she had of whose side to take, her husband's or her masseuse slash friends. Uh, overall, the story was fantastically written and was done in such a way that improvisation was not only unnecessary for the cast, but discouraged. I feel like when an actor or actress is handed a script that is so well written that even they feel like improv is unnecessary when you really get the meat and bones of a character. Rather than needing to figure out who the, or rather than needing to figure out the character on their own, they're able to get a clear picture right away and spend more time perfecting their delivery of their lines. And that's exactly what happened with Beatrice at dinner. The best movie of 2017. Are you the only one who saw this, Travis? I saw it with Jacob, yeah. Oh. <laughs> and you like you liked it, right? But I liked it, but I'm surprised that he picked it as number one, but I mean he Gave good reasons, so yeah. yeah. I think it's cool when people have original favorites. So yeah. So thank you for uh, doing that for us, Jacob. Uh, we got another one here. This submission comes from Jeff. My favorite movie for 2017 was Baby Driver. The blend of characters, music, and cars was the best I've ever seen. And the blending into the background of the lyrics as Baby lip-synced the song as he walked to the coffee shop was as original and unique as the cards at the doorway in Love Actually. I could watch the opening driving scene over and over again. Thank you, Jeff, for submitting that. That is the best part. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, that's true. Uh, This submission comes from Lisa. The new Beauty and the Beast film from Disney was an instant favorite of mine. It's a musical with a great life lesson and a remake of the animated movie that I watched over and over when I was a kid. So why wouldn't I like it? I was impressed with the skill of combining real actors and computer-generated ones. It's a beautiful take on a classic story of enchantment. I also uh, liked the way really they, did. they did it. Yeah. And great costumes. We have a submission here from Chanel. My favorite movie I saw in theaters last year was It. I'm usually not a scary movie fan, but it had just enough jump scenes, and I loved the characters. Uh, the references to the original were great, too. Thanks, Chanel, for writing in. Perfect segue. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so you have a submission from 
your brother. Yeah, I'm my assuming brother that's your Tyler. Brother and since we're celebrating film right now, um, I would like to contribute my love of film due to my brother. So back in like junior high when I was growing up, or you know even before that, I was never super into movies. Always casually watching them. My brother was the one who got into film first. You know, he had like the crazy DVD collection. He was always going to see movies I had never heard of. And over time, the tables have kind of turned where I'm the the film aficionado or, you know, I'm, I'm obsessed with film and Tyler's more of a casual watcher. And I think it's just because his life has changed and, you know, he's just not as passionate about it as I am. Doesn't have the time anymore. Yeah, so it's kind of... He basically passed the torch, you know, as far as the love of film. So, Tyler, thanks for <laughs> pushing me in the right direction. We love you, Tyler. Um, so, my brother's favorite movie was also It, and here is his submission. Sup, nerds. Just wanted to <laughs> let you know that although I haven't seen much this year, It is my favorite movie of this year. Not going to lie, when I first left... When I first left the theater, uh, I was underwhelmed. All the hype leading up, I was 100% in, even if the early shitty promo photos of Bill Skarsgård. But wow, I can't stop thinking about this movie. I am constantly searching anything it related, hoping to find any little bit of insight into the dairy world. Bill Skarsgård gives the best performance of the year with his maniacal performance, The Losers Club crew was amazing as well with each kid offering something to the group the world andres muschetti created is one i'm terrified of but one i can't help but want to visit in my opinion we have another icon of horror already and it's been far too long i absolutely can't wait for chapter two brother loves it he loves viral marketing too so Mm. it's it was (laughs) it was pretty great Um, really was So a couple other uh, submissions we got that were basically just titles of films. Uh, we had someone write in saying Wonder Woman was their best film of the year. Yeah. Uh, and we had three different submissions stating that Flesh and Blood was their favorite film of the year. Uh, we interviewed the producer of that film, uh, Dustin, on the episode uh, where we reviewed. What, which, which episode was that? Was that the Star, our Star Wars episode? Yeah, 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 it was yeah. Star Wars. Yeah, uh, we have a, 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 a most of our interview with Dustin is at the end of that episode. So Flesh and Blood uh, is a very small film that's going to be hitting Amazon uh, in February. And uh, I had said I was going to post a full interview right away. But at this point, I'll probably wait until it hits Amazon. Then we'll post the full interview as like a bonus episode. So uh, I do think all three of us did enjoy that film quite a bit. Oh, yeah. Um, and it's it's. Uh... It's not like other movies. Yeah, totally. So uh, I will post that full interview once we get closer to the film hitting streaming services and VOD and stuff. So keep an eye out for that. And if you haven't listened yet, uh, check out our interview, uh, the condensed version on our Star Wars episode. Because it is really uh, something cool and special. Um, and I think uh, I think that's all of uh, the submissions. Let me go back. Blah, blah, blah. Uh, Okay, I think we hit all of them. Sweet. Uh, I personally want to thank everyone who who wrote in this year. Uh, thank you so much for listening. Thank you for sending in your thoughts on these movies. Uh, it does mean a lot to us. Um, 
and you know we we appreciate the support and uh glad you guys are actively going to the movies and, and seeing stuff so we appreciate that uh let's get back into uh some of our picks uh let's do some honorable mentions uh travis and i the the way we log our movies is on letterboxd i think we both have like a running list of all the movies we see in a given year and kind of loosely rank them obsessively rank them yes <laughs> so i have an 11 loosely obsessively yeah. eh. <laughs> so it's travis <laughs> Both have 11 through 20s, so we'll read through those. Tom, I don't know if you have anything as formal as that, but... I do not. I'll probably just chime in when I hear something I like. Okay, so let's do some honorable mentions. These are the ones that we, we really liked, but didn't didn't quite make the, uh, the final cut. Uh, I can go first. Uh, I'll start with my 11, and I'll just... I'll run through 11 through 20. Um, number 11 for me was It Comes at Night, which you guys talked about. Adore that movie. Uh, Coco, Shape of Water, uh, The Book of Henry, which was on my list for the longest time and uh, is probably the movie that has been shit on more than any other this year as far as (laughs) high profile, big budget stuff. But uh, it made me cry. It made me laugh. I love that movie a lot. Uh, Spider-Man Homecoming, Valerian and the City of a Thousand Planets. uh, I absolutely loved Raw. Logan, Lady Bird, and Get Out rounds out my top 20. Yeah. We touched on most of those. Mm-hmm. Book of Henry and Valerian uh, are going to be must-sees for me whenever I get my hands on them. Phantom Thread first. Oh, yeah. That's still playing. <laughs> and, oh, yeah. Yeah. Travis, you want to do... Uh, number 11, Baby Driver, just barely missed it. Super entertaining. Number 12, Get Out. We talked about that a bunch. Uh, 13, The Glass Castle. That movie's getting no love. Um, some people don't agree with the whole like family dynamic and how Woody Harrelson treats his kids, but no one's perfect. And I think there is some good there. And I just thought his performance was amazing and their relationship and just the way they kind of raise their family a little differently um number 14 coco talked about that quite a bit best animated movie of the year 15 wonder um perfect movie for the whole family it's touching it's funny it's great performances all around i think it's going to age very well and can touch a lot of people in different ways i didn't see wonder but real quick two of the submissions that we received regarding flesh and blood they specified Favorite indie film of the year, Flesh and Blood. Favorite commercial film, in their words, Wonder. So, a little love for that movie. Number 16, uh, Three Billboards. You guys already creamed all over that, so <laughs> don't even do that anymore. Number 17, Stronger. Bigger, faster, better, Chelsea pretty much gave my thoughts on the movie uh 18 is jane the documentary about jane goodall uh perfect companion piece to war for the planet of the apes (laughs) no seriously no i know (laughs) know. (laughs) the archival footage that they were able to get is incredible like just how close she got to these animals and how she was able to study them like it's just fascinating and it just gets like deeper and deeper like how we're connected to apes and all that and Super good. Um, 
you think it's something kind of boring, but I was fascinated by it. Uh, number 19, Blade Runner 2049. Um, like Tom said, probably the most beautiful movie of the year. Uh, and number 20, The Shape of Water, also another beautiful movie. Um, but it's just missing something for me. Hmm. That's it. Um, I'll just add a couple. Uh, we don't have to talk about the big sick, but it was the only five-star movie for me that I didn't get on my list. Um, Wonder Woman, I loved a lot. Uh, not just because the protagonist <laughs> was, was a woman, you know, although there's a lot of credit to be given for that. Um, I just had a great time with the the story and the the comedy and the sincerity of the of the story um and also just uh comic book life in general uh spider-man and guardians of the galaxy were both were both really good i had a ton of fun with both of them uh real quick honorable honorable mentions oh <laughs> uh just there's two uh it's mm-hmm I absolutely love that movie. That mm-hmm. was fantastic. And uh, Detroit. Mm, yeah. Contender for... Number 21 for me. <laughs> yeah, me too. Yeah, that's oh. my number 21. That's why I wanted to mention it. Uh, one of... The, the, so the scene in the house, like it's probably 30 or 40 minutes. Some of the best... Suspense. And... I've, of the entire year. Yeah. I wish I liked the movie as a whole more. Uh, that's part of the reason why it's number 21 on my list, but I do want to give that a quick shot. And out. our theater experience only added to it. I, oh my it's gosh. It's been long enough. Can you guys remind me like why? That woman old was old white um, lady. Oh yeah. Will you yeah. be quiet? Yeah. <laughs> a movie about race, race relations. And we have one African-American woman who's been very vocal in her enjoyment of the film and one crotchety old white lady <laughs> tells her to be quiet. <laughs> So that she can enjoy it. Um, oh, you know what? I do have a couple others. I Tanya, I thought was a lot was a lot of fun. Uh, I'm curious to hear what you think about that, Matt. Yeah, I do. I plan on catching up with that. Um, Disaster Artist. <clears throat> we didn't talk about that. That Number didn't make it into anybody's lists. Number thirty three. Yeah, that movie. I mean, it was just sort of an experience, honestly, yeah. watching the room and then the Disaster Artist. But it, it it does stand alone. I think it holds its own. Yeah, Florida Project. That didn't come up either. That movie's gorgeous. Uh, and interesting um, characters, really emotional moments with the kids. Uh, maybe m- a lot of people gave it a, a claim that I don't think is quite, uh, that it quite lives up to. Um, but totally encourage people to see it. Um, oh, and I was just going to say good time. Hell yeah. It was a special movie. I, I don't think it stuck the landing, but um I'm I'm into it. Yeah. What the the vibe they're going for, I'm into. It's great. Well, my turn to do honorable, honorable mentions. So I made a joke earlier about my top ten or my number ten being the survivalist. Mm. You guys are wrong. That honorable, great. honorable. <laughs> where did that where did that actually fall? Uh number twenty three. Pretty high up on the list. Survivalist ended up <clears throat> at number sixty-seven out of seventy-six for me. I I always <laughs> appreciate when a movie can do a lot with a little. Like there's 
minimal dialogue in the movie, <clears throat> but like I was so invested in the characters and the situation that they were in. Like it's a it's bleak as fuck, but I don't know, just just some of the choices that the director made, you can definitely tell that mm. he's a skilled director, but he maybe doesn't have a lot of resources. But what he did have, he made an intense a lot effective of, movie. A lot of parallels with it comes at night. Yeah. Hey, what happened to uh, I Don't Feel a Home in This World anymore? You give that five stars. Number 28. I was actually going to mention that. That's a five-star movie, and it's at 28? Uh, no, I think I gave it four and a half, actually. You gave it a no, five on the show. Four and a half. Not on the show, but Go look, Matt. Go listen. <laughs> I didn't change my rating, so... Uh, yeah. Speaking of that movie, I, I loved it. The final part or last 30 minutes is complete insanity. Uh, I think we can all... Um, resonate with what's her face Melanie Linsky's character as far as like you know fuck this world and the certain people that are in it um, I just thought it was a lot of fun it's kind of similar to like a Coen Brothers movie and yeah super entertaining um, and I also want to give a little bit of love to Wind River oh yeah, yeah. we didn't really talk about that much um, did that come out early because I didn't have it I didn't have it in my it diary like April like middle the year so. yeah it was probably before i started doing it or maybe i just forgot to log it but i like that movie a lot yeah um i don't think it's as good as the other movies that taylor sheridan has wrote but i think for his directorial debut he did a great job and there's some really good moments in it especially the scene outside of the trailer oh god comes out of nowhere and is so tense it's it's amazing and the way they handle that flashback it like usually flashback or not usually, but sometimes flashbacks can be a bad thing in a movie. But the way they handled that flashback, they basically just like tied everything up in a few minutes. And mm-hmm. I thought that was really well done. Um, and yeah, I think that's it. Uh, real quick shout out uh, <laughs> as the resident uh, cat connoisseur. Uh, any fellow cat lovers out there should check out the documentary, Keddy about cats in istanbul i think i gotta see it best cats of the year <clears throat> not better than my cats it's <laughs> pretty good cats in here but uh, <laughs> your cats are cool too i guess <laughs> I thought your cat was gonna scratch my eye a little bit. <laughs> nah. uh okay well so let's uh let's wrap this thing up here let's let's get into uh just some, some general um discussion topics before we go some awards you guys want to talk about uh the best performances of the year Yes. Let's start there. Uh, Francis McDormand. Yes. I think we all agree. One of the strongest performances of the year, if not the strongest. Absolutely adore that. Uh, Timothy Chalamet. T- call me by your name. Is it Chalamet or Chalamet? I don't know. I think it's Chalamet. Okay. I like Chalamet because I can call him T-Shal. <laughs> T-Cal doesn't work. <clears throat> sounds like I'm trying to say T-Cattle. <laughs> Um, what else we got? Oh, you haven't seen it yet, Tom. But Daniel Day Lewis and Phantom Thread—he's a, a living legend. Yes, yeah. it doesn't I feel like it goes get without any saying, better, like, <laughs> but we still have to say it. Yeah, <laughs> Daniel Day Lewis and Phantom Thread. It's also crazy watching him in in Phantom Thread and then thinking about his performance in like There Will Be Blood. Yeah, like it's like the same director, same actor, yeah. but like opposite ends. Of the yeah, spectrum. it just blows my mind. <laughs> Um, and then here I'll do one more, and then I'll let you guys kind of pipe in with with uh with your stuff. Uh, Sally Hawkins, 
Shape of Water. Yeah. Absolutely adore that performance. Yeah. Makes the movie for me. She was great. Um, I would add, I would add, we already mentioned it, but Barry, whatever his last name is. Yeah. From Killing of a Sacred Deer. Dude is terrifying. Um, I would probably also add Saoirse Ronan. Yeah, um, absolutely. As a supporting role, I would do Sam Rockwell. Uh, and then I will peruse for any others. Travis, oh, Robert Pattinson. Yeah, good time. he's pretty good. Yeah, pretty good. Good time, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was one I was going to say. Um, also with Barry Keegan in Killing of a Sacred Deer. Uh, Margot Robbie and I, Tanya is amazing. Uh, Joel Edgerton and It Comes at Night I thought was incredible. Um Woody Harrelson in The Glass Castle and also War for the Planet of the Apes. I thought he was the perfect villain for that. Um, Jake Gyllenhaal in Stronger does an amazing job. Um, I think you guys probably already named the rest, I would say. Uh, <clears throat> Dark Horse pick, uh, Garance Merlier, uh, the lead actress in Raw. Oh, yeah, she was good. She's very good in that movie i'm stoked for a rewatch on that one i that was my favorite part of that film was was her performance in it how about jennifer lawrence she your other dark horse yeah jennifer lawrence is also up there for me i loved her uh also we can't leave out uh daniel uh galuya from get out yeah yeah he's fantastic in that film uh uh, bill skarsgård yeah pennywise yeah my brother's favorite performance. Do you of guys the year. watch um, Black Mirror? No, I haven't. I did watch the first episode. In the one that everybody says you should watch. Yeah. <laughs> so I didn't realize there was that like, you know, surrounding the first episode. Uh, yeah, I haven't seen it, but um, Daniel Kaluuya is in Kaluuya is in uh, probably not Kaluuya. <laughs> I think it's it's a G. I think it's is it Kaluuya? Oh, right. I'm not sure. I think Kalulia. I don't think it's a K. I think it's Daniel. Speaking of the first Shit. episode of Black Mirror, though, what a ballsy way to like open your series or show, like about pig fucking. Like you don't go into that show wanting to have a good time. I mean, I don't know. I just feel like you're you're alienating audiences by doing that. And, yeah. Because I've I've seen conversations on facebook where it's like what show should i watch and it's like oh black mirror is amazing but then people are like skip episode one yeah. but then other people are like yeah but if you're gonna skip episode one then the show may not be for you um well daniel kalua is or whatever his last name is he is the lead in one of the uh one of the episodes i think it's season one it's called something thousand credits 15,000 50,000 something like that but he is really really good in it you really can, good you can skip around in that oh show, yeah right? totally. it's all separate like I, I hear that there are some like easter eggs from uh, episode to episode and a couple of them seem like they might be in the same universe but uh I haven't had a problem with it and I've always skipped around so yeah um I didn't have anybody else to add but if we had to pick a consensus would it be Timothy Chalamet or Francis McDormand. Or Francis McDormand, yeah. If we were doing Best Actor, Best Actress. Yeah. You agree with that, Travis? Um, I mean, I feel like I'm in one of these situations where I get You're in a situation. One of our brackets where I just kind of have to concede. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah, sure. <laughs> um. I, I would say my favorite, probably, 
I'll say favorite three performances are Barry Keegan in Killing of Sacred Deer, Robert Pattinson in Good Time, and then I or Margot Robbie in I, Tonya. Mm. Uh Also, Hugh Jackman in Logan. Yeah. He's pretty fucking good in that movie. Yeah. I found that movie a little bit boring. You're a little bit boring. Sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, that's performances. Uh, what do you guys want to do next? You guys want to do uh, uh, biggest disappointments? Yeah. Let me scroll down to the bottom of my list. I'll go first. <laughs> I have two main ones. Uh, well, let me here. Let me let me narrow it down to two. Here we go. Two biggest disappointments of the year: uh, Alien Covenant terrible that's definitely one of mine i was pretty bummed out by that movie uh i had pretty high expectations and did not live up to any of them i thought that movie was incredibly mediocre bordering on bad uh michael fassbender is the only thing that really redeems it from being complete trash uh biggest disappointment of the year and the worst movie i saw the entire year war on everyone which is uh, the film from John Michael McDonough, brother mm-hmm. of Martin McDonough, who wrote and directed my number six film of the year, Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. Hmm. Uh, War on Everyone was fucking awful, <laughs> tone deaf, terrible buddy comedy cop bullshit. Wait, is that... Um, who is it? So John Michael McDonough did uh, Calvary, and uh the guard he's the brother of martin McDonough. no i know but like who's what, in the movie yeah what is this movie i don't remember it uh it's got michael pena who i don't like and uh peter sarsgaard hmm. uh and they play uh like uh dirty cops basically it was it was awful that was i i talked about the movie because they they like uh there's a bunch of trans jokes and the butt of the joke is like, oh, if you had sex with him, does that make you gay? Because it's, you know, it's like totally tone deaf, awful, poorly written. Uh, one of the few redeeming qualities of the film is actually Caleb Landry Jones. I actually didn't mind his character in it, but those were my two biggest mm. uh, disappointments of the year. I think The Kingsman was my biggest disappointment. <laughs> um, it was absolute garbage start to finish. <laughs> Um, I don't think, I, well, mother was a disappointment for sure. It was a pretty st- strong disappointment just cause I, I went in there just prepared to love every moment and I didn't, I don't think it was a bad movie. We've covered mother plenty, but as far as disappointments go, I got to put it in there. Yeah. Like as far as the gulf between expectations and reality. Yeah. And also I just got to say, I really thought that King Arthur legend of the sword was going to pull through and get me that win on the summer blockbuster situation. <laughs> right. And it totally didn't. So, um, whatever. That's a bummer. All right. Travi boy. Uh, my disappointments, not that I was super excited about it, but I didn't think I would hate it this much. <laughs> Thor Ragnarok. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Hated that movie. Um, Suburbicon mediocre as fuck. Didn't like it. Boring. And just, it wanted to be a Coen brothers movie and it just wasn't. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> a cure for wellness was pretty disappointing mainly because it was, pretty long and Dane DeHaan is not a good actor and the third act or the 
the last, you know, the climax just goes off the fucking rails and not a fan. It came out of nowhere, too. I feel like we all saw a trailer for it pretty much the same week and we were all like, what is this? We got to check this out. And then Travis saw it and said it was terrible. <laughs> um, I'm also going to say Lego Batman, mainly because I loved the first Lego movie and was super excited for this. And I wouldn't say I necessarily hated Lego Batman, but it just wasn't what I was hoping it to be. And most of the humor I just hated. So it's a very touching film. Um, <laughs> Matt cried. Anything else <laughs> I want to point out? <laughs> I think that's it as far as disappointments. So uh, we forgot to have a conversation about this during the break but we we're gonna have a category of the biggest reveal of the oh, year yeah, oh. i'm gonna go out on a limb here and i think we can probably all agree actually you might not be thinking it right now but the the best reveal of the year this movie has not come up once split the fact that well, it's actually <laughs> an unbreakable tie-in like who the fuck saw that coming yeah no one did <laughs> like can you guys think of a bigger reveal than that this year no. I think um, I didn't love that. The movie. biggest reveal for me was it turns out that Harry Styles is in Dunkirk. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> <clears throat> I but I'm like struggling to come up with like this wasn't really a year of like twisty plots with crazy like like reveals. How about like, spoiler alert? How about um, uh, Blade Runner? He's not the chosen one. I don't really think that was really a. So I'm throwing it out there. Mile away. <laughs> okay. How about the good time reveal? Oh, that was yeah. Good reminder. No, I saw that coming from a mile away. <laughs> you fucking please. My wife did. I had no idea. Yeah. No, it was so obvious. It was so orchestrated. Get out of here, that was you good guys. Stuff. Uh, <laughs> Creep Two. You guys haven't seen it, but uh-uh. it's a pretty good reveal in that movie. Get Out has some good reveals. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. Didn't really see it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Going through my list, I don't really see. Uh... Well, we had we had a late entry, which was Travis's number one film being Phantom Thread. <laughs> number one reveal, reveal of the year. Of the year. Bombshell. <laughs> uh, how bad life was. Is that a oh the ending of life. That's a good reveal, right? God, oh, that fucking movie. <laughs> disappointment if there had been more expectation for it yeah quick quick shout out uh our life episode that is episode six uh it is our least listened to episode but uh that is the episode where we do our science fiction bracket where we rank the 16 best films since the new millennium that bracket is pretty good so if you like science fiction I recommend checking that episode out because I think people just didn't give a shit because no one gave a shit about life. But that episode is pretty good, and uh, it's the least epi- listened to episode that we've done in the course of our first year. So uh, if you're looking to go back and listen to some stuff you missed out on, I would recommend checking that episode out in particular because some uh, fun stuff happens. We won't be mad if you skip just to the bracket either. No? <laughs> yeah, listen to just the bracket, even if you just want to listen to the I bracket. Mean, 
We shit on life. That's kind of fun. Yeah, it was it's, fun. It was a good review, too. I think that was our our first guest episode, too. Yeah, Jay. Jay. Jay was uh, on the show our there. Our sci-fi aficionado. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm sure he'll be back soon. Is he going to be on the uh, Annihilation episode? That's the one I was thinking. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll text him. That's like a month away. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure he'd be down. Uh, okay. And then, are there any other, any other categories we want to talk about? Any Biggest other discussions? surprises? Did we do that? Uh, we haven't. Um, biggest surprises. I mean, I'm just going off the top of my head. Jumanji: Welcome to the Jungle was a surprise. I thought that movie was going to be garbage, but but it was a ton of fun. Yeah, I enjoyed it quite a bit. You were disappointed by that movie. Well, I thought it was going to be Travis, a fun time. When did you wasn't. lose your sense of of wonder of and joy? Fun? <laughs> uh, because Ragnarok and Jumanji were both great times to be had. I'm more of a survivalist. Um, it comes at night kind of guy. <laughs> <laughs> Since when? Uh, I don't know. Start of the year. <laughs> I I mean, I'm going through my list here, and I guess Raw could be a surprise because it was like a debut film. But I mean, most of the other films that are on my list are from like established filmmakers. Um. Yeah, I'm, I'm going through the list here, and I don't really have a... Yeah, I don't know if I have a... I mean, there was, like, movies that kind of came out of no... Like, the Softy Brothers, I didn't really know about them before Good Time, and I saw the trailer and was super excited, and that movie blew me away, so I don't know if you would consider that a surprise, but... Um... Uh, I will say Girls Trip, for me, one of the best comedies of the year, came out of nowhere for me. Thoroughly enjoyed it. Huge too, surprise. Too much hype. It's, it would be more on the disappointment list for me. Oh, it's, it's, that <laughs> movie is pretty funny. I was surprised that I liked Wonder Woman. <clears throat> uh, the Florida Project, I would say, is somewhat of a disappointment just because I thought I was going to love it. And I mean, it's in pretty much, I mean, not everyone's, but most people's top tens. And it's not even in my top 30. So. Number uh, 53 for me. Ouch. 37 for me man you guys really hated on that movie didn't you i thought you you know didn't hate it i, I mean know, i enjoyed four it. stars it's a good movie it's surrounded by other good movies but i just thought it was going to be one of the best of the year i mean we saw it on my birthday and i was super excited for it and i enjoyed it but mm. i didn't walk out like oh my god i'm glad i spent my birthday watching this movie mm-hmm. like i wanted to so for me florida project is sandwiched in between dunkirk and jumanji <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty funny. Hmm. Uh, okay, well, that's probably good. I mean, <clears throat> there really weren't too many surprises. Like the movies I thought I was gonna enjoy, I did enjoy. There Train was... Spotting Two was really good. I wasn't really expecting it to be good. I enjoyed it. Yeah. I liked it quite a bit. It's you know, it's number forty-seven out of seventy. Yeah, I mean, I'm getting down there too. Uh, the Babysitter kind of came out of nowhere and. Mick G is regarded as like one of the worst directors, and I thought that movie was a lot of fun. I don't have that on here either. Did I don't you have watch the baby. It? Yeah, I did. Oh, okay. I don't have the baby. What was the other one? I don't even think oh, Logan have... Lucky. I don't have that on here either. I don't think you ever talked about the babysitter. You did. You did. No, no, no. He did. No, I didn't. You, did I didn't you watch it. it? Oh, no, maybe I I'm talked about you guys it. Confused. Yeah, I talked about it after you saw it, but yeah. Getting us confused. Oh, I gotta give a shout out to the house for. A surprise of the year. This is my dirty grandpa. People hated that movie. No, the house is actually really funny, in my opinion. But I went in with like the lowest expectations. I was at QFC and 
I asked Chelsea if I I should rent something at Redbox, and I was going through the list, and I said the house, and she's like, oh, I'd love to watch that, and I was like, really? And I was like, okay, fine, we'll watch it, because we always usually watch what I want to watch, and I was pleasantly surprised. I thought it was pretty funny. So don't you hate that? What? When when you have to watch somebody else's movie and then you like it more than you thought you would. <laughs> no, that, <laughs> I enjoy that because uh, yeah, I wasn't excited for it, but I, I had a good time watching it. So. Hmm. Hmm. Um. I, I would back to disappointments. Not that they're bad movies, but. Um, I was hoping more from a ghost story, Atomic Blonde, Free Fire, Roman J. Is- Israel Esquire. Um, yeah. Uh, movies that we wish we had seen in time for this list. It's I, I Tanya, and The Post for me are the oh, big ones. I didn't even think about The Post. I didn't get to catch up with Columbus. Uh well, what do you guys got? The post is probably the only one that I'm like super bummed about not seeing. The rest, I mean, they might have surprised me, but there's nothing really I want to point out. Sure. Tom? I had a couple things. Raw was one. Um, Eyes of My Mother was one. That wasn't this year. Wasn't it? Okay. Lady Macbeth. Yeah. Uh, I had wanted to see. I've got these all mixed up with my other movies, but um, you didn't see a ghost story, did you? I didn't see a ghost story, and I don't really want to. I think I don't know. I, I feel like you might like that movie. I kind of want to rewatch it. Yeah, same. it's boring. It is. <laughs> <laughs> it is uh, very slow. Mainly the the three that I'm most bummed I didn't see, aside from the Post and Phantom Thread, are Book of Henry, Raw, and um, Valerian, and the Square. Oh yeah, the square. Yeah, I the forgot square. about that. Yeah, Force Majeure. I love that movie. So. Oh, what about Personal Shopper? Was that this year? Yeah, I saw that oh, movie. Oh, speaking of Personal Shopper. <laughs> oh, did you? I watched, you watched it. it, right? I, yeah. I need to get that back to you. What did you? What did you think? Not for me, man. No, no. I figured you wouldn't like it. Bored but... out of my mind. <laughs> <laughs> what did you end up rating it? Like two and a half. <sighs> it's oh, Jesus. It was a four first, and a half. First, like 10, 15 minutes super into it and then i just lost it you didn't find all of the like the texting with the ghosts suspenseful no no like the scene with the apparition where it like confronts her in the room no and I, i've said it before on the podcast i'm not the biggest fan of ghost stories like the horror movies i like don't necessarily or rarely ever center around ghosts is it because you're deeply afraid of them no, I just, I don't know. They just, it doesn't really like get to me. I'm not saying I don't believe in ghosts necessarily, but. What do ghosts do to people? It's a little I mean, too. Really get down to it. A little What's too supernatural for me. <laughs> you never seen Poltergeist? <laughs> no. Paranormal Activity? Yeah. Oh. Ghosts oh, fuck oh. you up. Well, I guess Paranormal Activity is like demons, isn't it? They just like make you fly through the air. <laughs> yeah, they throw you at cameras. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Uh, what about Okja? You guys remember that one? Oh, yeah. That was a good one. Oh, Okja! It was a good, good movie. Yeah. Good time. I thought it was going to be higher on my list, but it didn't. It was like 29. Gyllenhaal killed it. Strangled it in its sleep. Fucking Jake Gyllenhaal. Smothered it with his sweaty armpits. <sighs> All right. Well, this is, uh, this is like a three-hour podcast, boys. Like We yeah. done good. Let's cash it. Um 
what's next now that we're saying goodbye to 2017 for the most part yeah well uh i haven't actually looked at the schedule but we'll be back in a couple weeks i'm sure there's some stuff coming out at the end of january that we can uh catch up with so we'll be back in a couple weeks we'll have some reviews for you i'm sure we'll all be able to to watch some stuff that we're we'll gonna be, be reviewing about citizen kane <laughs> classic <laughs> review <laughs> but i mean you know we got some stuff coming up on the horizon we got annihilation we yeah. got black panther um mm. there's a couple other okay. like early in the year releases what i haven't looked at the whole release calendar of 2018 but most anticipated of 2018 have you guys heard of you were never really here with Joaquin Phoenix. Yes, that looks amazing. The girl who directed uh, We Need to Talk About Kevin. Yes. They're calling it like a modern day taxi driver. I could not be more excited. <laughs> that, for that. Looks, <laughs> that looks fucking <laughs> sweet. Yeah, I'm excited for that one. Um, so yeah, we'll, we'll be back in a couple of weeks. But uh want to thank everybody for listening. Uh, 2017 was a great year in film. Thank you all. 2017 was our inaugural year as far as this podcast. So... We hope all of you keep listening. Uh, send us emails. Everybody wrote in. You know, we got plenty of submissions for a favorite movie of the year. But we want you to participate on a week-to-week basis. Ask us questions. Send us in feedback. Anything. I'd like someone to challenge some of Travis's opinions. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you guys don't do that enough? <laughs> please please shit talk uh, his opinion on Thor Ragnarok. Pick uh, favorites. You tell know. him how much dunkirk sucks uh but no seriously i thank everybody for listening uh follow us on all our social media platforms you guys have heard the spiel uh check us out tell your friends we are very gracious and we all appreciate it uh it'll be back to business as usual next time we record don't know what we'll talk about but we'll be back thanks everyone for listening and uh see y'all again soon good night Mm -hmm. Oh, mm-hmm.